sports fans, I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 2 a.m. Whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into my show right now and throughout the rest of this late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. We're here in the Big Apple, and Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. You know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones, 877-337-6666. And as always, we will load them up with your best, most well-thought-out takes only. It's been a busy day for sports here on, on this uh, this Saturday. You've had, uh, you had the Yankees in action, walk-off style. All three New York area, metro area hockey teams came away with a big L today. The Nets coming off uh, just a disappointing loss to the Boston Celtics. They are down three zip in the series on the verge of being sent home for good. And the Mets are live right now out at Chase Field in Phoenix as Pete Alonso gets run, rung up just now looking at a third pitch strike. The Mets are down in the top of the eighth inning right now, 5-2. to two. Yeah, these Brooklyn Nets, who were at one point the favorites to win it all this season. Like I just said, they're on the verge of getting swept by the Boston Celtics Monday night. And is this Nets team the biggest disappointment in NBA history? I mean, of all the things they had to overcome this season, are they most missing James Harden every single day. It's possible. You know, at least he played a little defense. And with the Celtics defense absolutely swarming, bodying, stifling Kevin Durant's every move with the ball or off the ball this entire series, and with Kyrie Irving having to sit with foul trouble with 10 minutes to go in the game tonight, who's the third option? Bruce Brown has emerged as a viable option. He had a career-high first-half points tonight, but he's clearly not good enough to carry this team when the two superstars are are, are dimmed. And you see, those two stars, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, those stars needed to rise, and they didn't. Not high enough, not tonight. Early on, Tonight in tonight's game, there was a marked difference for when Kevin Durant was on the floor and when Kevin Durant was not on the floor. In the second quarter, when he was on the bench, the Celtics pulled way ahead. I mean, the Nets were down by as many as 12 points in that first half. They were able to cut it to one, and yet they found themselves down by three at the half. Did you know that Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, did not hit a single three-point shot tonight. He was 0 for 7. 0 for 7 from three-point range. I mean, that's completely inexcusable. In a must-win game on a home court. And in the third quarter, Kevin Durant was knocked completely and totally off his game, off his axis. He was yelling at the coaches on the sideline. He was called for a shot clock violation. I mean, 
really? I mean, the Celtics were clearly in his head, and that simply cannot happen. And then you fast forward to the fourth quarter and needing a comeback in the worst way. Irving and Durant, and I totaled it with my own eyes. I could be off. I think I'm right. Irving and Durant combined, combined for seven points in the fourth quarter. That's not what you need to see from your number one A and your number one B. This is a quote. We didn't have the right spirit throughout the entire game. That's an end quote there, said Blake Griffin in his postgame press conference, and he mentioned it quite a few times. And he was, and he nailed it. You know what? He nailed it. He was the player that went out there with the most spirit. At that point, I was listening on the way in on the radio. I didn't see it, but you could just tell. You could hear it in Tim Capshaw's voice. He just brought the energy up for the Nets on the floor. And and Capstraw said that he played more physically in the few minutes that he was on the floor than the rest of the Nets did the entire game. I'm paraphrasing there. You know, 18 Nets turnovers and 25 fast break points for Boston. Just tell the story tonight. Where was the want? Where was the will? Where was the desire to win this game? Brooklyn's rebounders, especially during crunch time in the closing minutes. I'm sitting here in the studio watching it at this point. I mean, the ball went off the rim, clinked off the rim. I think of Dennis Rodman in the in the in the documentary, the uh, whatever, the Last Dance documentary. He's like, and then he was so good at reading rebounds, clinking it goes there, clinking it rolls there. Remember that scene? Yeah. Well, guess what? The Brooklyn Nets were doing none of that. They were playing patty cakes. With the Celtics defenders, uh, rebounders. I mean, where was the effort from this team? Where was the grit? In Italian, they say, where was the grinta from this Nets team? It was nowhere to be found. And as you heard on the post game, in NBA history, NBA history says that no team has come back to win a series from being down 3 nothing. So what does the fearless leader, Coach Steve Nash, have to say about that? Well, you know what? This guy is most likely, in my opinion, going to be out of a job at season's end, which could be as soon as Monday night. What did Steve Nash have to say about that? That no team has come back to win a playoff series at least down three three zip? You know what he said? He said, they're going to be, this is a quote, digging deep and having pride. Oh, boy, oh, boy, guys. That is, those are the dagger words from the exasperated coach. Pack it in, Nets fans, and sweep dreams. You gotta fight for your right to party. Oh, yeah, if you're a New York Yankee fan, this is the complete opposite here. You might still be partying after today's walk-off win. How exhilarating was that? It seems as though Aaron Boone has spun the combination lock enough times to create a lineup that may just work out long-term. In fact, as I totaled earlier today, he used his 15th different lineup in 15 games. That's nuts. I mean, it's really hard to acclimate to that, you know, as a player, not knowing where you're going to be hitting as a, every single day in that lineup. We've talked that about that before on this show, so let's get on with it from uh, the game from earlier today. There were a couple things to love and a couple of things not to love. We'll start with the ones to love. 
As Aaron Boone said after the game, the legend of Nestor Cortez continues. That's a direct quote. The dude is a complete gamer. He is the Yankees' ace, and I said it last week, and it is still true today. Nestor Cortez cranked his cutter usage up to 44% today, which is 7% more than he has all season so far. And guess what? It's still working. It is still working wonders for him. Nestor Cortez, he's a pitcher in every sense of the word. He's just, he's, he's not a thrower. He's a pitcher. The cutter this season, as I just alluded to, has been lights out for him this season. He threw 40 of them today. 11 were called strikes, and the six that were put into play left the bat at under 80 miles an hour, which is defined as weak contact. The misdirection, the extended leg kicks, all of it to mess with the hitter's timing is just so much fun to watch. And he has developed Nestor Cortez, a a five-pitch arsenal that furthermore keeps the hitters off balance. And probably the best part about Nestor Cortez is the grit. We just talked about the will to win and the grit that seems to be missing from this Brooklyn Nets team. Nestor Cortez exemplifies that grit and that will to win that he that he plays with. I mean, just today, it's something on this Yankees team, too, that they quite frankly need to see. If you missed it, go look it up. Cortez dove, or, well, maybe belly flopped, to first base to tag the base ahead of the runner. And I can't believe Francona didn't challenge it because it looked to me like the runner was safe. But in any event... Nestor Cortez's chin scraped against the gravel. He tagged the base with his glove, and when he jumped up, there was this sick dirt stain down the front of his jersey. It's just an unbelievable display of grit from a starting pitcher and something that this Yankees team has lacked, if we're being really honest with ourselves here. And there was a point that I was sitting there eating lunch with the TV on, and and I I double-checked to verify that that Nestor Cortez had a no-hitter going, and he did. I literally looked up from my computer screen to watch Naylor nail one over the right field wall. So apparently, in order to break up no hitters, all I have to do is just think about them happening. Then another thing to like from today, Aaron Boone actually let Nestor Cortez pitch into the seventh inning. Surprise, I know that he allowed a guy to pitch deep into a game. And when Nestor walked off the mound... It was to a standing ovation from the Bronx faithful. He finished with 91 total pitches, eight strikeouts, two walks, and two runs just off that one hit, that that two-run home run. Another thing to love today from what happened in the Bronx, DJ LeMayhew hitting leadoff and and extending his hitting streak to 10 games with what was a meaningful hit late in the game. I guess it took a nine-game hitting streak for him to get bumped up to the number one spot in the lineup, huh? How about this? How about the, enga- the 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 timing and the level of engagement of the game? You know, this was the only the third game in Major League Baseball across the league that saw both starting pitchers pitch into at least the sixth inning. I mean, Nestor always works quickly. So if you got legend seats and, you, and Nestor Cortez is on the mound, exchange him for another day. Um, you know, but just the excitement of the game, it was an engaging game, and it cruised right along for the most part. It was just very enjoyable. And number four, the fourth thing to love from the Yankee game today is that 
the ways in which the Yankees scored. Situationally, too. In the fifth inning, an Aaron Hicks walk was followed by a beautiful Joey Gallo swing on an outside pitch, which was poked to shallow left field against the shift. Then, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, single to right, Gallo went first to third, and Hicks scored. Higashioka followed with an 8-3-6 double play sack fly that scored Gallo, and then the game was suddenly tied at two. Bob Krantz on Twitter tweeted to me early in the game wondering when these, and this is a quote from him, when these pinheads are going to give Nestor some run support. That's from Bob Krantz on Twitter, and he just put a few uh, frustrated emojis with that as well. I responded at 2.11 p.m. saying that Josh Donaldson has great numbers against Cal Quantrill and that I was looking for him to step it up today. Well, in the seventh inning at 2.50 p.m., Josh Donaldson, with his 400 career average against Quantrill coming into this game, hit a one-out, 421-foot go-ahead solo home run off of him in the bottom of the seventh. Now, I know that Cortez was no longer in the game, but Donaldson did step it up 3-2 New York Yankees. And you know what? Sometimes I surprise myself, and this time was definitely one of those times, and Quantrill entered today's game allow, ha, having allowed just one or less than one home run per nine innings. So good for Donaldson. And then, oh, the bottom of the ninth. If you missed it, sorry. It was a Donaldson leadoff walk that got the inning going. Then I texted a friend this. I said, this is, I could screenshot it and send it to you and, and send it out on, on, on social media. Believe me. I wrote, Hicks, game on the line will strike out. Sucks in high leverage situations. Then, right on cue, Hicks struck out swinging. It was just so predictable. This season so far, Aaron Hicks has had 14 plate appearances in eight games where he has been in the batter's box in high-leverage situations. Aaron Hicks does not have a single hit in any of those high-leverage situations. He's money in low-leverage situations, though. He hits 444. Who cares? And then, of course, there was the kiner Falefa ball that banged off the left-field wall that scored LaCastro from second to tie the game at four. And then pinch hitter Glaber Torres at the Nets game tonight called checkmate with his sixth career walk-off hit. Tied for most in Major League Baseball since 2018, and it was a gapper to right, right center field. And what I liked most about this at-bat was the fact that he came out swinging. I mean, first pitch swinging. It was fouled away. I just love how aggressive he was from the jump in that at-bat, rather than being, you know, the timid pinch hitter, you know, that kind of a situation. I mean, Glaber Torres needed that, and obviously so did the Yankees. You know, as soon as the Yankees got that home run, you knew they were going to win the game. I just went through on that commercial break. The Yankees are what? The Yankees are 9-6. and One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, nine and six. When they hit a home run, they win. When they don't hit a home run, they lose. And that's a statement that is true for, I'm trying to add this up in my head here, uh, 15 games, right? Nine plus six is 15, right? So out of those 15 games, that that statement that I just made, when the Yankees hit a home run, they win. When the Yankees don't hit a home run, they lose. That statement has held true for 12 of the 15 games. So as soon as Donaldson hit that home run, I was like, well, they won the game. 
And these Yankees, today's Yankees, showed fight. They showed what it could look like if they put everything together on a sustained basis from inning number one through inning number nine. But as great as today's comeback walk-off victory was for the Yankees, there are two things not to like. Number one, Chad Green in high-leverage situations. If this game got away from the Yankees, the loss would have rested squarely on the shoulders of Chad Green. Today, he coughed off a 373-foot go-ahead, two-run home run to a defensive catcher, and last name is Hedges. I mean, the guy was 3-for-31 without an extra base hit this season until that home run. Come on, man, that cannot happen, Chad Green. Time to shuffle around the bullpen, Aaron Boone. Green in high-leverage situations, no good. And the second thing not to like, and while ultimately Chad Green did not ruin the game for the Yankees, the low-life fans in right field did. Glaber Torres couldn't even enjoy his moment. And the camera caught the initial disappointment on his face because there were morons that were showering the Cleveland Guardians players in beer cans and whatever else. It's just disgusting, really, and it's just reprehensible behavior from Yankee fans. Kiner Falefa said after the game, quote, that can't happen. I love the fans, love the atmosphere, but we win with class, end quote. And you know what? That is the exact phrase that I have taught to every single player that I've ever coached. Win with class and dignity. And lose with it as well. And as I speak right now on the Yankees radio network, my message to fans of baseball is, those delinquents in that first row in in, in both left field, And in right field, those delinquents do not represent the entire Yankees fan base. It's the perception of the few versus the many that just isn't fair. And that handful of scum should be banned for life from visiting any ballpark. The facial recognition technology is there. I've talked to security at at Yankee Stadium. It is there. It does exist. And I think they should just go ahead and do it. And you know what? Really? You're nursing full beers in the bottom of the ninth inning? After the sales cutoff is what? The the, the sixth? The seventh? What wimps? I mean, that is the true definition of a loser right there for you. And as we turn our attention to the Mets, I got the the TV on uh, on mute here in the studio. By the way, I changed the, the batteries in this remote like eight weeks ago. Thank you very much. Live look into Chase Field shows that the uh, the Mets are down to their final two outs. They are down 5-2, and uh, Kana is in to hit. I'll keep you posted on that. But all this talk about Joey Gallo stinking up the place. Well, guess who entered tonight's game with the exact same number of hits as him? Six, by the way. Well, don't you know it's Robbie Cano? And yet... Buck Showalter seems to keep penciling his name into the lineup, which forces Jeff McNeil, the ultimate team player, to continue to play out of position. Just before, I was watching the game with Connor in the other room. There was a, a, a sacrifice sort of situation to left field. I said, Connor, they're definitely going to run. The runner was on third. They're definitely going to run on McNeil. Of course they did. McNeil's throw wasn't even close. I mean, the guy's playing out of position. It's just, it's, I, I just can't watch it. And tonight's stats for Cano, one for three with a strikeout, 
But that one hit, it was really like a, like a swinging bunt and what really should have been scored a throwing error on the pitcher. Then, no matter, doesn't matter, he was hit by a batted ball and he was called out on the base paths. And this is like, what, the seventh inning, late in the game. And, and for McNeil tonight, two for three with an RBI triple for the first run of the game, and then he went around to score the second run of the game for the Mets. So McNeil was involved in the only two, as of right now, the only two runs that the Mets have scored. Pinch hitter J.D. Davis comes in. He's four for 19 on the season. Mets are down to their last out in Arizona. But otherwise, you know what? There is not much to complain about if you're a Mets fan. It's all kind of fine-tuning stuff at the moment. Even though your number one pitcher, your ace, hasn't yet touched the ball in the regular season. One, the Mets are 3-0 in extra innings. Two, going into tonight's game, the Mets have the best starting rotation in baseball. Going into tonight's game, they, they were first in the league in innings pitched, first in ERA, first in whip, first in opponent batting average, first in opponent slugging percentage. I mean, could you really ask for more? Three, the Mets are near the top of the scoreboard in runs scored, RBIs, stolen bases, on-base percentage, run differential, and most important, wins. The Mets are hitting mostly overall situationally. They're playing virtually mistake-free baseball. And embrace it, Mets fans. You're allowed to. And a lot of this is due to the resurgence of Francisco Lindor. To that, after reading this article in The Athletic, I credit Eric Chavez who noticed that on opening day, a game in which Lindor struck out three times, Chavez noticed a timing issue. He said that Lindor was standing too upright, and, and, and Chavez said, quote, by the time he got into his ready position, he was too late. So when you erase opening day and going into tonight's game in Arizona, Lindor took a 314 batting average, four home runs, 10 RBIs, and nine walks. He's finally comfortable here in New York, and he seems to really be liking Buck Showalter because Lindor apparently told him to scold him if he ever offered anything less than Max Hustle. Is that a match made in heaven? I know in years past, there is always a fear among Mets fans that the other shoe is potentially dropping. This year, and I said it last week too, this year for the Mets just feels different. I know they've just lost the game, like just now, J.D. Davis grounded out to third. But just enjoy it because the Mets up through this point, they have won every series so far this season. And at 4 p.m. on Sunday, they'll be in position to win this one too. So let's get it going. The Nets season is on life support. The Yankees won in walk-off fashion. Uh, It was a lost day for all three of our hockey teams. And the Mets just dropped a a, a 5-2 loss the Arizona Diamondbacks just now. Oh, and there's this little thing called the NFL Draft this week, too. So let's do it all. I have set the table for you. I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Hey, welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan taking you all the way till 2 a.m. on this day where the Yankees won in dramatic fashion, but Every other team that we have in uh, professional sports here all lost. The Nets, the Devils, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Mets. And, uh, you know, let's just talk about all of that. I mean, we'll go to phones in a second. You know, later today, 
I'm actually going to be going back to the Rock, uh, back to the Prudential Center in Newark for the final time this hockey season. I'm going to go to watch the, the the Devils and Red Wings game. So the two of them are pretty comparable in the standings, the record over the last 10 game points, overall win-loss record. So I'm um, expecting like a kind of competitive game. I mean, the Red Wings are a slightly better team, though, especially without the Devils, you know, having Jack Hughes since, what, April 5th, I think it was. I was watching that game on TV. He went down with that knee injury, so it's tough. But in any event, I'm looking to say hey to a great friend of the show in Ken Danico. And if you're going to, I'm always happy to meet the listeners. So if you want to come and say hey to me and my friend, we'll be in Section 7. So if you're going to the Devils, let me know. We'll say hey. I'll be in Section 7. But without any further ado, we will go to the calls at 877-337-6666. Kevin in Camden leads us off tonight. Go ahead, Kevin. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I would like to talk about the Yankees. I got three, three, uh, three points I want to make. Go for it. First point, Mr. Cortez. That man. I mean, he p- pitching. He's got to stay in the starting rotation. You got to keep him in there. I think they, I think he's found a role there. I think he's been successful there. Keep him in the starting rotation. Keep him in, Kevin. He's the ace. Yeah, he's got to be. You got. Yeah, I mean, this guy. He's captivating. He, I mean, you, I just you, you can feel the energy radiating through the. Television when you watch an bitch. I know. That, it's freaking awesome. You're right about that. And I gotta say, I gotta say that an unheralded pickup by Cashman, Clay Holmes. He's been, I mean, he was, I watched him in Pittsburgh. He was bad. Well, not bad, but he was eh, average, I would say. But he's been great so far this year with the Yankees. And then he got the safe today in the, uh, in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, he's been great. That's an unheralded. Cashman has a history of doing this. So. I gotta. Give I don't know, Kevin. Props there a little your bit. vote, and I know so a lot of people vote vote for him as as the best arm out of the bullpen. I, I think my vote. I'm not, is, saying, I'm not saying he's the best. I'm saying that he's just the you know unheralded addition. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm going King though. I mean King. Yeah, is, no, he's been good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the Yankee bullpen is 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 a strength of this team. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I, I got to sound off on the. Listen, I know it's not like you just said. It's not every Yankee fan, but it's just. This is this is why New York, you want to know why New York gets a bad rep around, around other people outside of New York, Philly. I mean, still don't like New Yorkers, but because because not because this is because of this because there's some idiotic fans doing this. You know, all New Yorkers are just not, it's not it's not all of us. It's just it's the select a, it's a, few. It's a select few, and, 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 and the whole city gets targeted. I mean, my, Miles, uh, what was his name? Miles Straw is the Yankees are the worst fan base in the world. It's not the whole fan base. No. He's basing it off. Of, but listen, Yankees fans, he's got to be better than that. I mean, seriously, I, I I get appalled with that because you know it kind of yeah they won. I was I'm grateful that they won. Graver was one of my favorite guys, but it kind of ruined the mood for me. I'm like it kind of t- it kind of ticked me off to be frank with you, Kevin. Well, it, like, it was it, completely yeah. and utterly uncalled for. It ruined the entire like that's the takeaway from this game. Other than you know everything else that we talked about, that's the takeaway. And it's a shame. It, it sucks. It was terrible. I mean, these people. I mean, who throws full beers in the ninth inning? I mean, how 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 much of a lightweight are you? <laughs> Seriously, it's embarrassing. No, no, I agree with you. And then you see Judge and Stan trying to call him down. Yeah, but it's just, and that's the, and this is the problem. The, some fans, and I, I'm not saying all, but some Yankee fans because of the way that they've grown up in the '90s. They've been spoiled with the World Series and the expectations and all that. That's that's certain fans, not all of them, because I know there's some really good ones. 
But some fans grow up spoiled, and that's and that nah, Kevin, I don't, I don't think it has to deal with that. I think it has to deal with people that don't forgot how to behave at baseball games during the the, the pandemic, and maybe that was their first time out. I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's just you know, it's yeah. just it, they, those people got too drunk and they got too bold, and um, and it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just stupid behavior. It's just dumb. I agree, and you got to get Aaron Hicks out of the lineup. I mean, I'm 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 still sick of. I mean, he, I've never seen a worse hitter, and I know it's not today because he didn't come up in the bases loaded. But he's like the worst hitter with the bases loaded. Aaron Hicks, I, I just I, I'm, please, I can't watch the I can't watch him. Ah, oh, he gotta get Aaron Hicks out of the lineup. He doesn't I'm have a thirsty. single hit in a high leverage situation this season so far. I mean, dude, I watched. I think it was against Boston, or, or, or was it against Boston? I think they had like a base loaded situation, and he's. I'm like. Every time you see this guy on base, like, you know he's going to be. It's not an automatic. It's like it's almost like Cano, it's an automatic out. It's like, I, I'm, I'm just I'm done watching. I'm done watching uh, Hicks, and I'm just Aaron Boone for some reason. And this has been going on since last year. He has a love affair with him. I don't understand it. You got to get Aaron Hicks out of the lineup. Final point, Kevin. And my last point about uh, Joey Gallo. Just I still don't. I, I didn't want him here, but. If he can somehow start, I don't think he's going to. But if he can somehow turn around, I'll be happy. But I don't. I'm not really impressed with Joey Gallo either. So, Yankees, great, great win. Fans got to be better, and hopefully the Yankees hitters can really start to pick it up and get. Maybe we can get on a run and start winning. So that's my point. Well. Kevin, you're going to need a lot of production from the left field position. That's for sure. Um, the takeaway: you, you saw Joey Gallo have a, had a nice swing on an outside pitch. Took it to left field. Maybe that's the start of something. I mean, he's the boo birds are out and loud for him. Um, and and we talk about Hicks and then Gallo in the same breath. It's just you know the lineup of these Yankees. Talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. The lineup of this Yankees is not great. It, it's 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 too feast or fair. The, the whole thing, right? And, uh, hey, we got some sort of breaking news that just came through. Michael Conforto underwent surgery on his right shoulder earlier this week. Conforto will be sidelined for the entire 2022 season, but is expected to be ready for spring training. So anybody clamoring for uh, a Conforto in, in, in the Bronx in pinstripes or back with the Mets, well, as of uh, the 20 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, I just saw John Heyman tweeted it. He is expected to make a full recovery and return to play in spring training in 2023. Wow, Michael Conforto. Season-ending shoulder surgery before he even signed with the team. That is a big blow to him, I should say. David, in Summit, New Jersey, you're up next on The Fan. Hi, I just got home from uh, the Nets game tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, the Nets got exactly what they deserved. I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen a worse teammate in my entire life than Kyrie Irving. If you think of the cancer that he has been wherever he has gone, um, they didn't want a coach. They wanted a guy who could hang out with them and you know shoot three-pointers during practice. They got exactly what they deserve. This team reached as far as they're going to get. Now, there's no purpose for re-signing him. Like, he needs to opt out. It's time to break it down again. They're done. Yeah. Uh, I, so it, it was almost to me, it was almost to me apropos that Aaron Judge was at the game. 
because he's sort of the quintessential Nets player. Um, they are good during the season, and then they don't win anything. Mm. And that's Aaron Judge also. Well, so far it has been too. But, uh, you know, you're looking at this Nets team, and you're looking like, okay, James Harden fled the sinking ship. He was one of the rats that fled the, the sinking ship to, to greener pastures. I think this whole thing's going to blow up. I think Steve Nash is going to be out of a job. I think Kevin Durant might force a trade. And I think Kyrie Irving will be out of there too. And I think the Nets are going to be forced to start over with pretty much nothing. That's the way I see this going. There's no loyalty. There's no allegiance, especially in the NBA. These guys are championship chasers. They thought they could do it in the Bronx. I mean, I mean, in, in Brooklyn. And they couldn't get it done. And it, it's, it might go down, this whole super team of the Brooklyn Nets might go down in NBA history as one of the biggest disappointments ever. Jamie in Mendham, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Quick question for you. Uh, I, I'm a father of uh, four children, mm-hmm. and uh, two, I have two older boys, um, and, but I have uh, twin six-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. Um I went through the Little League, um, uh, you know, the whole uh, ordeal of going through Little League. My question is to you, um, here I am on Saturdays and Friday nights uh, doing softball with uh, my six-year-old twins with girls that they, they really don't seem to have anyone to look up to. I mean, is is there a female athlete or is there a female baseball player or someone they can look up to? I'm a huge Yankee fan. We've been, the girls have been to the Yankee, like Yankee games. And my boys have, it's just, um, it, it, it's at the point now. It's like, I, 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 I feel like baseball, softball has kind of just completely just died. And there's just no, uh, leadership. Okay, so Jamie, I'm going to give you, you say you're a Yankee fan, Rachel Balkovec, she's awesome. I've interviewed yeah. her. She has quite a story. You should really look into her. Um, and even more locally, if you wanted to take him to a game, uh, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks just signed Kelsey Whitmore, a, a, a girl, a female girl. Um, she's a pitcher, so you might want to check into that. That, that. At least they're a little bit more local than the, the A uh, level that Bal- Balkovec is managing. And that's just off the top of my head. Uh, well, I, and again, thank you. I appreciate that. We we are we're fortunate enough to live close enough to uh, Bridgewater, where the Yankees are now. Their I think it's their Triple A or their Double A team is is uh, you know the Somerset Patriots playing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So, but again, I just I just worry about. Like, you know, just being my age, just being my boys always, always, always had a uh, a player um, or a team to to really just kind of like look after, and I just feel like I, my girls just don't have a role model. That's all. Well, I, it, it, yeah, it, Jamie, I, I gave you two good names there. I mean, it, it's a simple, you know, Google search. I mean, there's Kimming, there's Gene Afterman, there's, I mean, talking just baseball, right? I mean, there's there's so many. There's so many. Um, Alyssa Nakin, I think that's how you pronounce her, Nakin, San Francisco 40, uh, 49ers, San Francisco Giants. 
I mean, if you want to go into basketball, you can look at, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Greg Popovich's uh, assistant. What's her name? Why is it escaping me? She played for the New York Liberty. Connor's looking it up. Oh, my God. You guys are yelling at the radio. Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond. Duh. Becky Hammond. You've got Jenny Finch. You've got Monica Abbott, who I've had on the podcast. So there's just so many. Misha Tate. How about Misha Tate? You know, the quick story, and I know we have to hit the break here, but quick story about Misha Tate. Uh, you know that website Cameo? Well, I don't know if I should tell the story, but I'm going to real quick because it's a good one. And I don't know if she'll be mad at me for doing this. But um, there's a the website Cameo where people can request and pay for like um, – uh, you know, t- whatever amount of dollars for somebody, a celebrity, an athlete, to whoever, to, to record a message. So she told me that she got a request from these high school-age boys. They were all on the wrestling team, and they were put in a request to her, and they paid for it, for her to, you know, sort of make fun of one of the kids on their own team that lost to a girl on a different town. So Misha, she said she, Misha, Misha Tate, she said she didn't do it. And I was like, what? She was like, I sent them the money back, and I sent them a message back that said, that said basically to these boys, well, maybe the girl was just better. How about that? Maybe the girl was just better. Nothing to be ashamed of. The girl was just better than you. She used to wrestle when she was in high school, too. And I used to play with the boys, baseball with the boys, until I had to switch to softball. Anyway, Connor's giving me the break sign. Uh, I'm Danielle McCartan with you uh, at... Welcome back. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 2 a.m. On the fan in New York City. It's a it's a nice night. 55 degrees outside. A lot of cars out when I came in before. I guess we'll call this McCartan at midnight here on the fan. Uh, listen, the Nets are down 3-0 to the Celtics. All these rumors are flying about, uh, about this savior, Ben Simmons, returning to a basketball court near you. Is it within the realm of possibility that this news... Now the third time the Nets have talked about him coming back this season. Is it possible that it's just a major decoy? Because Ben Simmons, as of right now, has not played in a single NBA game in 306 calendar days. Well, now technically it's after midnight, so 307 calendar days. So if he were to play Monday night in Game 4, He'd be the first NBA player to make his post-trade season debut in the playoffs. And I say if, because, again, this is the third time this season that Simmons and the Nets have spun this narrative. Is there a chance that this could be a decoy? Like, try to force the Celtics to prepare for just one more thing. Just like a page out of Bill Belichick's book or something. So... Let's say that he actually does play on Monday. Here's what Ben Simmons had to say. Yeah, I'll fit in. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. He's going to fit in? He's not worried about that? Conversations about that. <laughs> this is uh, courtesy of SNY. So, so where does he fit? Everyone knows that a theme of this series is that the Nets have been struggling to get a lot going. And Simmons definitely likes to run and gun up the floor after a rebound, so... He'll definitely pick up the pace, that is, when the Nets actually do get a rebound. He he does play a little defense, which you know has been quite absent from this team, not just this series, not just this season, but for a couple of seasons. I just don't know how ready he's going to be. I saw that he's apparently got three intra-squad scrimmages under his belt this past week alone. Okay, but 
I know I have not been to Nets practice to watch it with my own eyes. I also know that I'm not actually part of the team, which is why I do not use the, the pronoun we when talking about it. But any video you see of Ben Simmons in practice, he's shooting in isolation against a coach who is just really a body standing in front of him, or he's shooting without anyone in front of him at all. Ironic, right? And Simmons says, my IQ is so high. I t- I, to play with guys like Kai, Seth, Kev, I know how they want to play. Okay, but knowing it and experiencing it are two different things. And I have a serious concern about the team chemistry with a brand new guy coming into the fold in an elimination game. To try new things in such a high-pressure situation, it doesn't go well. So spare everyone, sit them until next season. But then again, there is that little voice that says, well, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's the definition of insanity, right? So at this point, why not try it? Nets fans, should Ben Simmons get the call on Monday? I'm still going, no. All right, in the order that you called, Joe and Dobbs Ferry, you're up on the fan. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Um, How are you, Joe? uh, Very good. Um, I loved your intro, by the way. Thank you. About uh, the fans and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's just a reprehensible. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Certainly my friends and family, we wouldn't act like that, but whatever. So um, I actually want to talk about the NFL draft and the Giants. Okay. Um, This is something I wasn't really excited about up until about 7 o'clock tonight when I realized that the Giants could get Sauce Gardner. Mm. I know they're probably going to go with the offensive line, which they need, but getting Sauce Gardner, that that might be pretty special too. But uh, the the Jets fans I talked to, they – seem to think that they're going to get him, but uh, I don't know. We shall see. Okay, so Joe, and I don't want to spoil the entire thing here tonight, but can you hang in for like another hour here on the show? Because I'm going to do some extensive Giants draft coverage. Cool, sounds good, yeah. Yeah, so, so, and just quickly, um, I give you a spoiler alert, and this is not a hot take. Not. You know, the listeners, you know I'm not into hot takes. You know it. But there is a corner that I'm I'm picking over Sauce Gardner in a very specific scenario in a very specific situation. I don't know how much more I can give or want to give here. But that's my little teaser. If you hang in just a little while longer, we're gonna do Jets and Giants draft coverage um i i i feel like i i put on my gm hat when i prepared for all this i i have my 2022 draft bible right here you hear it there it is it's multiple pages i i went through all the scouting reports watched some stuff and and there there is a reason why i would not take sauce gardner first as the first corner off the board uh, as compared to this other guy and i'll explain that coming up in a little bit so i hope you can hang in there let's go ben and queens you're up next on the fan McCartan after midnight. That's me. I'm, back I'm in my back in the slot I'm, here. I'm stepping back into the door, and I have to say it's great to be back. Uh, two quick things before I get to my points. One, while you were on talking to Kevin about bad fan behavior, a fan decided to try to bum rush the court in the Minnesota Memphis game. No. Yes. Oh, and what happened? They tackled him. I hope. 
Oh, oh, Lady uh, Lady York, dude, didn't get a chance to focus in, hopped over the first row, right there by the way the rich people are, <laughs> and tried to get on and immediately was tackled. Good. P- fans right? have lost their minds. What is wrong with people? So as you guys were talking about the Yankee thing, and that Yankee thing started in the seventh inning. Yes. It started in the seventh, yep. and it kept escalating, and this one I put on Yankee security. You got to get in there and grab those two morons in the first row out because they aspirated the situation on. Yeah, but Ben, they, they were one was in, one happened in left field and one happened in right field. I mean, you can't, yeah, well, you know? the right field the right field one was first. The right field one was first. Okay, and then left field did what they did, and then the bleacher creatures decided we're going to just amp it up to the next level. And I'm like, I hope nothing hits a Indians player before that run scores. Oh, Guardians. Because the, because the, uh, the umpires can't take the game away from the Yankees. <laughs> you realize this. Bad fan behavior, if it injures a player before the game is called, can take away the game from the home team. Well, luckily, Ben, it, it was a dangerous situation. No one was injured. Thank, luckily, luckily, luckily. And I hope that they ban those people from coming back to any stadium anywhere, especially in this area, forever. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yep. Um, and, and I'm seeing folks online saying, oh, they can't handle being in the Bronx. They can't. And I'm like, nah, it's not that. We, we, have, we have gotten this warped. It's good to hurl insults as long as it's not racially and sexually big. Uh, mm-hmm. Derogatory, mm-hmm. but but there is a line, and yep. we crossed it today. Yep. Uh, to the fan that wanted to know about softball players and all of that, Jessica Mendoza is another yep. another name to look up, uh, and she on her her website still gives tips to young players how how to play. And on weekends, well, weekdays and weekends, keep an eye on ESPNU and ESPN two. They've really just unloaded with the softball, college softball this year. Yeah, well, so, I knew you'd so, be a good resource for that, Ben. <laughs> okay, uh, quickly about the net game. You know it's bad when Mary J. Blige is yelling at Kyrie. Come on, man, step it up. <laughs> Cameras caught it. Caught her yelling at Kyrie um, to go on and step it up. You know it's bad when Blake Griffin comes into the game and has more energy than your starters. You know it's bad when it seemed that the the Nets organization goes, we're going to do a blackout, and everybody's there in black except Ben Simmons, who's wearing Nick colors. Mm. You, Subliminal <laughs> messaging, huh? They, uh, hey, hey, I, I, listen, listen, you guys dug this hole, but for the last time, I hope this buries it. Hey, Stephen A., Hey, hey! all you blowhards like Colin Cowhart and all of you guys, you can't just turn it on for the playoffs. Just kill that. Kill yeah. that noise. That's a terrible well, Yeah, proven. it's a terrible narrative. Yeah, and, and it's a bad look. Again, like you said, when ben, when Blake Griffin is, is a spark plug, is a catalyst, and it's the game is already too far gone. Already too far gone. Jamie in Floral Park, you're up on the fam. Hello? Jamie. Hey, how, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, th- this is Jamie from uh, Mendham about uh, 20 minutes ago. I apologize. Oh. Um, I-, I-, I do have um, 
I have four children. Two uh, my older sons are from Florham Park. So um, I, I was asking you earlier about um, how to inspire my girls, you know, having twin six-year-old girls. Is this um, an episode of Groundhog's yes, Day, I, Jamie? I feel like we've, we've had this conversation before. No, we, we, we did this about 20 minutes ago, but that, that's okay. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's, for me, as a, a father of four, it's it's different um, having two younger children, uh, girls, that, you know, I'm just trying to figure out my path with when it comes to baseball, softball, uh, a sport that my boys love, and my girls are just but Jamie, not we had, that we had interested. The, Jamie, we just had this conversation. We really did. We, we just had this conversation. Um, I told uh, yeah, the Staten Island Fairy Hawks. Go watch the big girl baseball player, right? Yes, we did. And unfortunately, uh, because of my poor service, my uh, my phone crapped out, and I didn't get to hear it. So I apologize. Okay, Jamie, it's okay. Just you know what you're gonna do? Just go back on the Odyssey app, and, and you can go ahead and listen to the call again. I mean, that was. I feel like I was part of the Groundhog's Day there. I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm very being very patient, but I can't be having the same conversation again. <laughs> uh, let's go, Matt, in the in at the Jersey Shore. Sorry, you're up on the fan, Matt. Go ahead. Miss McCartan, as you preference, well thought out calls, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I I first have to say it's not the reason why I'm calling, but once upon a time I was an intern for the New Jersey Nets organization when they were in East Rutherford, so I couldn't be happier right now. Mm. Yeah, so. you know, when, when the Nets <laughs> bailed on Jersey, it was kind of like, huh, well, screw you too, right? Well, they, I think they had a lot of nerve coming into New York, especially with that big billboard outside of Penn Station saying, we're taking over your Knicks down. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to flip the script a little bit, you know, going off that last call. And yeah, this is going to be very different from what you're used to hearing from me. Uh, I mean, with your intro, I'll, I'll tell you, you sounded positively giddy going from point to point of, have been doing, especially in today's game, better things. And it's just such a nice, refreshing thing to see the Yankees, you know, singles, doubles, manufacturing runs, pitching. The pitching has been unbelievable, aside from Garrett Cole, who's pitching tomorrow, or today, rather. Um, this Nestor Cortez is unbelievable. The, the bullpen. Yeah. All, all the way around. This, this team, it's like, where did they come from? You know? Well, Matt, that's today. <laughs> that's just today with this team. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. But uh, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen again tomorrow. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I know it. But you know what? It's it's just such a nice change of pace for a change. And I'm definitely enjoying it for what it's worth. I, have to, I just wanted to make a point and uh, to let you know, you know, not all doom and gloom. I like to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know what, Matt? I keep it real all the time. Keep it real here on the show all the time. Yankee fans throwing debris at the Guardians players after that walk-off win. They're going to hear it from me. Yankees do something well. They hit situationally. Nestor Cortez demonstrates the grit and the will to win that, that Nets fans wish they had in just one of their players besides Blake Griffin. No, the Yankees did everything right today, mostly, except for Chad Green. 
and the people throwing the crap on the field. But other than that, the Yankees did everything right today. Everything. Peter in Lawrence, you're up on the fan. Danielle, I thought you were right on the nose. Thank you. On your uh, critique Thank you. of the fans. There was once a game between Cleveland and Texas when Billy was manager. Mm-hmm. That game got forfeited to Texas in Cleveland mm-hmm. because of beer bottles. But on your take on the Ben Simmons, I think he's going to be too rusty to play against the Celtics yeah. in game four. Yep. I agree What's your with you. take? Yeah, he hasn't played in 307 days. I mean, I'm about to join a women's basketball league, and I haven't played, you know, in quite a while myself, and I'm worried about being rusty. And I'm not playing against, you know, NBA-level talent. You see what this Celtics defense is doing to Kevin Durant. You see what this Celtics do- defense is doing to, to the, the, the help and everything else of, of the Nets. You think Ben Simmons is going to come in there and be the savior? Put the team on his back and say, hey, I got you guys? The guy hasn't played a competitive game in 307 calendar days. Any video coming from practice you see is him uh, doing ISO drills either by himself or with a coach with with a a weak hand in his face. And the guy doesn't even like to, to, to shoot the ball anyway, so that's ironic to me. Could he give him a little defensive help? How many minutes is he realistically expected to even play? And then, not to mention, the whole dynamic of the team is thrown off. You know, by this time in the season, you know where your teammates like to get the ball. You like to give it to them in those spots. And, and Ben Simmons, as so much says, he's a genius and he already knows all that information. Well, good. I'd love to see it. Actually, I wouldn't. Why don't you just take the rest of the season off, Ben Simmons? I mean, enough already. But I'm wondering if this is just kind of like a like a decoy, the Ben Simmons decoy, because I'll tell you right now, Kyrie Irving didn't hit a three-pointer at all in the game tonight, and him and Kevin Durant combined for seven points, combined for seven points total in the fourth quarter. And we've had a changing of the guard behind the glass. Connor Green is out, Pete Kennedy is in, and he's taking your calls. I'm with you till two, and you know what? It looks like uh, streaming services are... Here to stay for, for for pro live sports, both Major League Baseball and uh, and the NFL is also doubling down. So I'm curious, what was your experience when finding the Yankees on Prime Video just last night, or I guess Friday night? So give me a call, 877-337-6666. Hey, welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Pete Kennedy's taking your calls at 877-337-6666. You know what already. I don't need to say it. You know, I posted a poll on Twitter uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N uh, Friday night, you know, like the second or the third inning of the Yankees in the Guardians game. And, and I asked about everyone's experience uh, in loading up that Yankee game on, on Prime Video. And I gave three choices. The choices were, uh, well, I'll just t- 55% of the voters in the poll voted and said they had an easy time in accessing the game. And me too. I'd categorize myself as that too. I mean, I, I turned on the PlayStation and I realized I actually had to download the Prime Video app and I was like, oh, great. But it took like 90 seconds tops. So I didn't miss any of the game. It actually loaded up right before the game started. I thought I did it wrong. Um, but no, it was it was easy for me. But I'm like a digital native is what they call them in education speak. So I, it was fine for me. I would categorize myself there. 
And then 13% of the voters said that they missed just some of the game in getting the whole thing started. And um, (laughs) I got a phone call from my mom asking, Dad wants to know if we have Amazon Prime. And as bad as that call started, (laughs) it only took him four minutes to get on. And, yes, I did time it because I was curious because I already launched the poll at that point. So, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it only took him four minutes to get on. But, yeah, Dad wants to know if we have Amazon Prime. We do have Amazon Prime. She has her own account, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, and then here, but here's the thing. Here's the point I wanted to make. 32% of people that voted in that poll said that the experience was so frustrating that they gave up trying to find the Yankee game altogether. So I know that, tip, that, that Twitter typically trends to a younger demographic to begin with. So I would think that this percentage is actually even a little bit greater. But let's just take the number that voted. 32% of people that voted just gave up in, in finding the Yankee game. I mean, how bad of a look is that for Major League Baseball? It, it is a sport that is starving for eyeballs. That 32% of the fans, and this was a poll. I I like immediate gratification, so the poll I put up was for one hour, and it killed me to do it for that long. But for that one hour, 32% of people that voted they were actively searching for the game. They were actively searching for the for the baseball, for MLB's product, and they couldn't find it. It's just so bad. And, and the one thing I would say is, is get used to it because Yankee fans, there are 20 more Yankee games only available on Amazon Prime Video. And by the way, that only goes for Yankee fans in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and parts of Pennsylvania – so if you're outside of, you know, what the typical, like, Yes Network's usual footprint is, the only way you're going to be able to watch the Yankees is on MLB TV, which you also have to pay for. And so if you're a Mets fan and you're sitting there laughing, you're not immune to it either. Because between the two of them, the Yankees and the Mets, of the remaining games, you're going to need to download Apple TV+, Plus, Amazon Prime Video, Peacock, which I don't have, and I'm not getting, and ESPN+. Plus. And, okay, you're not a hardcore baseball fan? Well, Thursday Night Football will be exclusively on Amazon Prime Video this football season. Now, we don't know yet if any of our Yankees, our our Giants, or our Jets are going to be playing any Thursday Night games this season, but you might want to get yourself acquainted with that app because I'm just saying the NFL schedules are going to be released on May 12th, by the way, and the first Thursday Night Football game is actually going to be announced on night one of the draft, so... If it's the Giants or the Jets, you know, I know there's 162 Yankee games that that you could watch or 161 other games, right, theoretically. Football season is finite. Are you going to miss a a Giants or a Jet game because you can't figure out how to use Amazon Prime video app? I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just it's like a scavenger hunt of like, ooh, where's the game going to be on tonight? It's ridiculous. What was your experience in getting on that? Does Amazon Prime have to create a how-to video? For people, do they need to create an ad campaign of exactly where to click, where it's going to be? Because personally, like I'm, I don't know if I fancy myself a tech expert, but I, I find it pretty easy to get through some of this stuff. Yeah, but I know my parents would struggle, and I know some of my friends may struggle. Like, I don't know where this app is. I don't. I think it's not that bad, but eh, it's definitely tough. It's a tough look. So I think that's a great idea. But I, I got, and I wanted to mention this. Good thing you brought it up. 
Uh, the Yankees sent out an email at 1.52 p.m., and it was titled, How to Watch Tonight's Yankees Game. And it's like full asterisk, click on this link. And even still, like like older people, they don't know how to click on links and stuff. And also, you're also going to people who are subscribed to the Yankees email. Yeah. Which is already cutting down the numbers. Yeah. The people who are subscribed to the email, the people who are on Twitter, they're more likely to find it and get there. The people who have no idea what they're talking about are more likely to turn on 101.9 FM. I was just to about Johnny to say Sterling. that. Look at that. <laughs> Pete, me, we are on the same wavelength. Yeah, I mean, there's there's free radio right here on the fan. 101.9, 6.60 AM. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at that point, you, you just get so frustrated that you're, you almost don't even want to watch it at all. But John and Susan and Sweeney, they're always here for you. Always. All right, back to the calls we go. Adam in Seifert. You're up on the fan, Adam. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle. How have you been? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Haven't spoken to you since, I think, before the tourney in uh, March. Oh, I know. It's, it's been a while, but you know what? I'm back, and, and you're back, and, and let's do it. What do you got for us tonight? I love it. So, uh, in terms of, I was going to speak about the Mets, but before I get to that, I was able to find the game on Prime really easily. Uh, I watched tons of baseball, so the Mets were starting a little bit later last night, so I popped the Yankees on. Mm-hmm. That was pretty easy. You just go into the Prime app, and it was, like, right at the top, so that was pretty easy. Adam, just a um, quick so- question. How old are you? Um, my birthday is next week. I'm turning 42. Oh, happy birthday. All right, so 42. Okay, all right. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. Um, the second thing is um, I was listening to Trista at 630 this, uh, this evening, and like some people were really mean to her. They were calling up and trolling her, and I thought that was uncalled for. Like I, I didn't understand that. Well, listen, I, I, I can was... only speak for my own program here, Adam, so I have no idea. What yeah, it's horrible. I have no idea. So uh, I was at the Met game last Saturday. I got to see uh, Cookie uh, live, and I just, I'm just so happy oh, with him. Oh, stunning, uh, right? Yeah, just I'm so happy he's, he's had such a recovery since uh, his illness. And um, between him and McGill, I'm just so happy that they're keeping the, the ship afloat without the Grom. Um, so my question for you is, oh, and I also got to see uh, Starling Marte last one. So I've mm. been really happy with him. He plays really hard. He's really quick. He's mm-hmm. got a good arm. He's like, he's like a, close to like a five. I don't know if he's five tool, but uh, I, I could dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my question for you is, do you think the Braves, because I know they're the champs, like you still think they're the team to beat in the East? In the NL East? No way. It's right. the Mets. The Mets are the team to beat in the East. And, and I know <laughs> Mets fans are kind of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the Mets exactly. are the team to beat in the East, even without Jacob deGrom at the moment. All right. <laughs> you need to convince me. And then there was there was another host saying, like, what's your biggest fear with the Mets? And everyone was saying the bullpen. He's like, no, you can't say the bullpen because that's the need for so many teams. But, like, for me, it is the bullpen. I can't think of another, like, we have gamers. Like, we have McNeil, we have Marte, Lindor's really turned it up since his poor start last year. I'm 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 happy. I'm pretty confident. Not just I don't know Lugo the other day, like at the game I was at. That was like that was shaky. Um, I know he had a good comeback the other night. So I just I don't know. What, what do you think? The weakness of the Mets team. That's the question. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not allowed to say the bullpen. Yes, correct. <laughs> well, that is, I mean that might be the only weakness of this Mets team. Ah. Uh... Uh. <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, starting pitching is the best in the league. I mean, their hitting is uh, categorically, there's like five or six categories where they are at the top of the league or league leading. Uh, their speed is really good this year, too. Yeah, like, they're that's, stealing that's, bases. That's yes, yes, yeah. they're aggressive on the base pass. Um, 
If I had to pick, uh, I know Edwin Diaz is a little shaky. I'd point to that maybe. But this is not like, he sucks. But he's a little shaky. I would also say that I would really like more offensive production out of the catcher spot. But now we're just being really nitpicky here. Yeah. Well, McCann sent one last uh, yesterday, like 450 feet. So that was pretty nice, too. Yeah. He, maybe he's just getting going. But, you know, just typically he, he's been he's been underwhelming, I think, offensively. But... Otherwise, my answer is the bullpen. <laughs> that is that is the biggest weakness of this team, and everybody knew it coming into this season. So I'm sure that'll be corrected at the trade deadline. Uh, hopefully, Cano won't be a Met for much longer, and they they get him for a relief pitcher. They trade him for a relief pitcher. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe uh, maybe Melanson we can get. <laughs> maybe because you know the Arizona Diamondbacks aren't going to be doing much this season. Exactly. Well, thank you for taking my call tonight. Uh, I look forward to seeing all your pictures on Insta, and I'll keep following. I'm glad you're back on. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. I'll be at the Devils game tomorrow. Take care. I'll be at the Devils game tomorrow. Anybody's interested or going to be there, too? Section 7, hit me up. Ralphie in Huntington. You're up on the fan, Ralphie. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Danielle. I love your show. Thank you. Um, I'll just tell you quick that uh, I had no problem getting the uh, uh, game on the Amazon Prime app on my phone. Just to get that out of the way, uh, and I'll apologize in advance, uh, <clears throat> I'm retired from law enforcement, uh-huh. and I got a uh, comment on the Yankee game, you know, what happened at the sure. end of the Yankee game yeah. today. Horrible. And again, I apologize in advance because, you know, it's a sports talk show, and I'm sorry that it'll bleed a little bit into politics, but, you know, it's just a microcosm of what's going on in this city and in a lot of cities in America today. There's no consequences. Well, Ralphie, I I see it in my classroom. There's no consequences. It's just the generation. We get it. We know that. Yeah. And and listen, I don't want to go too political. You know, I respect Mm -hmm. law enforcement. We're a blue family. I get it. I get the whole thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I I, I totally understand where you're going with this, and I get it. Um, And and I want to see, and and I'm sure you do too, that that these people, the consequence should be, I think, that they should not be allowed back into a baseball stadium. Well, I mean, listen, I don't want to get technical, but technically they committed, a, you know, an attempted assault and a reckless endangerment. Yeah. And they should be prosecuted. But mm. you know what? District attorney's not going to prosecute them. And that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I get the frustration, too. So, yeah, we are, we're a blue family. We, we get it. We understand there, Ralphie. We get all of it. We get the whole picture. Yeah, and, you know, it's a shame because I'm a Yankee fan, and yeah. it's, it's embarrassing. It, it's, you know, and... It's, and and it's it's unfair too to be to be painted with this broad brush. Uh, you know, Yankee fans are horrible and this and that. No, it's as, as you know, it's just the, the select few that that ruin it for the whole. I mean, what do they do? They got to stop serving alcohol in the second inning now. I no. mean, I'm not going to blame alcohol. I don't know what 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 the impetus was, yeah. but you know, it's just uh, it's not indicative of all Yankee fans, right. and unfortunately. That's how it's going to be painted. I happened to have been listening to the game on the radio, mm-hmm. and I heard John and Susan say that, and I was happy to hear that the Yankee players went out yes. to the outfield with the with the Guardian players yep. and was like, "What's up with you people? Why are you doing this?" Yep, you know? Rizzo led the charge, and I think Judge was next, and then Stanton right after him. They were the first three that ran all the way out there, which was which was commendable, actually. It's commendable. It is, and it was the right thing to do. But also, when they go to Cleveland. They don't want to get the same treatment. Well, you know? yeah, that too. That too. 
But either way, it's it's ridiculous. It's just that people have forgotten, and thanks, Ralphie, for the call. It's like people have forgotten how to go to games and how to behave and how to comport themselves at game. It's ridiculous. And, and it's unfair to the rest of the 40-whatever-thousand Yankee fans that were in attendance that day to, to be painted with that same brush. Uh, Will in Jersey City, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. Good evening. How are you? Good. I wanted to uh, comment on the streaming thing. Yeah. So I don't – I um, I like to watch the Yankees, and I don't find it necessarily difficult to get them and find them. Uh, like you said, I'm a digital first-person digital native. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I usually do, since instead of searching around, is I just have a couple of streaming sites that I use, and I just go to that site instead of fumbling around to find – whether they're on Apple TV, which I don't have, or Prime or Cable or WPIX, like whatever it is. Um, that's that's really just what I do. And I, you know, they're losing viewers, I think, by uh, moving these subscribers around. And that the, in the, in the degree to, I'm sorry, I have to go. Thank you. <laughs> I really wanted to hear what he thought there. I know. Can I finish his thought? Go ahead. Oh, actually, I'm going to go the other way, though. They may be losing viewers on a day-to-day basis, but Amazon Prime is paying for this stuff, and the Yankees are making money. So if they're losing a couple of viewers here, a couple of viewers there, it's still a worthwhile endeavor from a business perspective moving forward. So, he, well, you know. first of all, this was a weird. Uh, it was weird because he first advocated for streaming illegally. That was where That's he was also going true. with that. And then, oh, sorry, got to go. I'm wondering did the FBI just raid his house. <laughs> have they sent him cease and desist letter letters? And now tonight at, at twelve forty in the morning, maybe they've struck. It's like those uh, videos we'll never know. on Instagram where your FBA Iowa uh, agent is watching you. As soon as that call happened, you got to knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll never know. But that was kind of uh, well. That's the way we're going to send it into break. I guess uh, fans behaving badly at games, um, and you know what? This whole streaming thing. The NFL is catching on, too, and the NFL also plans to play three games on Christmas Day. Your thoughts on that? And then we're kind of transitioning to NFL. I got your Giants draft uh, needs covered, your Jets draft needs covered in this next hour. Taking you to 2 a.m. here on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City with some Justin Timberlake on the interlude here from Pete Kennedy, DJ Pete Kennedy. You know, the NFL plans to play three games on Christmas Day, RIP to the NBA. Initially, I was like, wait, what? Christmas is for, obviously, family and all that. It's also for NBA basketball. I mean, there's been five basketball games on Christmas Day for the past 14 seasons, 14 years. So this year, I'm thinking, how am I supposed to watch both with everything else going on? And then I looked and I saw that Christmas is on a Sunday this year, which makes sense why the NFL would be playing a few games that day, I think. So that week will look like this, a regular Thursday night game on December 22nd. Then you got 11 games on Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve night, or I guess Christmas Eve day, the 24th. You got 11 games on the 24th. Then you've got a a Christmas Day triple header and a regular Monday night football game on the 26th. Okay. I, I could live with that, but, you know, what else? I mean, even next year, when Christmas Day is on a Monday, the NFL still plans to play at least two games on Christmas Day, and, and that I don't like. Leave it alone. I think ba- I think Christmas is, is, is for basketball and family and, and, church and president and all that, right? 
but it, but it's a basketball holiday. But R.I.P. R.I.P. to the NBA on Christmas because you know the NFL is king. And if anybody is looking for a, you know, if any team I should say is looking for a a wrap up drag down tackler, well. Look no farther than the, the the Grizzlies and Timberwolves game tonight because that security guard, someone mentioned it before, and I just actually saw the video on the commercial. I did retweet it, um, and, and Pete sent it to me on, on DMs on Twitter, but the security guard was watching that girl who stormed the court the entire time, wrapped her up with terrific form, dragged her down. The girl that stormed the court didn't even get to the three-point line. Done deal. So if anybody's looking for a tackler, talking about NFL draft, I mean, security guard at the game tonight, I think that person's eligible. Uh, let's go to John in Vernon, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, John? Good. I'm just calling, you know, I mean, I get today was horrible, what happened at Yankee Stadium, and it shouldn't be something that goes on, but, you know, this has been going on for Probably since the dawn of baseball, we just don't know about all of it. But remember back a while ago, there was a father and son who tried to stay up at first base coast. I think it was in Kansas City. We had to come out in riot gear, line up the field. I mean, the thing that happened in Toronto when they were throwing beers and, and all the stuff on the uh, on the children when there was a playoff game up there. I mean, sure. this goes on all the time. That so doesn't make not, it right, though, John. It doesn't make it right, but maybe they should stop giving cans of beer out at the stadiums. I mean, that that was a solid part of it. They they you know they stop with the bottles. It's this is this is part of you know it's a competitive sport. It's a competitive sport, so people get hyped up. But alcohol is probably more of a problem than it is anything else with it. But I'm not get rid of that either. I mean, I mean, I, they take they take the the caps off of them. I mean, you know, I, I would prefer to drink it out of a bottle because it stays colder. I'm I'm a slow drinker. Yeah. It stays colder. I don't want it in a plastic cup. But just, I'm just saying, it's just not a generational thing. It's not these young us young kids today, or it's you know, you know, we have no. They, this has been going on forever. I mean, they used to have sure. boxing matches where if the guy didn't win at Madison Square Garden, they would start chugging glass bottles, and everybody had to hide and run out of, out of the garden. So, I mean, this has been this is this is not our generation, or you know, young people not knowing how to behave. This is just part of you know, this goes on all the time. Just the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and, and well, well taken there, John. But there's got to be since it's been going on forever. There's got to be a way to to mitigate it, um, and, and it's not serving beer out of out of plastic cups. Although, as you were talking, I I don't know if they have bottles there or if it was just the the stands that I that I frequented. But when I went to Lucas Oil Stadium, when I saw it was Jets Colts uh, this past November, it was on uh, Thursday Night Football. Speaking of, uh, I went there and. They had these aluminum Colts cups, actually. They weren't plastic, and they weren't bottles. They were aluminum cups with the Colts logo on them. And and actually, the beer stayed quite cold, actually, for a long period of time. As I said, I'm a slow drinker. So maybe that's the happy medium between the two of them, because if you try to throw a cup full of beer, it's not going as far as, as a bottle full of beer, even without the cap. But the real problem is what morons are nursing their full beers through the end of the ninth inning? Like, come on. What did you, it's just it's stupid. That, that's the mistake. That's the, the bad move there. Peter in Maryland, you're up on the fan. Peter. Oh, am I on, Danielle? You're on. You're on. Let's go. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. By the way, I'm, this is this is also this is motivational, definitely Yankee Cabana. 
Oh, hey. I just wanted to talk to you like well, the positives and the negatives about about the Yankee game today. Yeah. Like, what we thought, what what are the positive things and what are the negative things? Sure. Starting off with like what is Nestor Cortez's performance? I want to start that off first. Yeah, that was number one. That has to be number one. Most, most definitely. And the ne- the negatives, I want to discuss on Chad Green's situation. Like, yeah. after seeing the performance that he had, like, I don't feel 100% comfortable with him being, like, that eighth-inning reliever. Yeah, no. It, it's got to be, and I know he wasn't available today, but it's, you got to turn to a guy like Michael King. Uh, you got to reshuffle this thing where, where King is your setup guy. Honestly, you know what I would do? And I know this might be, like, Ooh, but, but what I would do is I would put Chapman in the eighth inning role, and I would pick King as my closer. You know, I wouldn't be against that at all. I mean, what should have went on today is that like you should have let Clay Holmes finish the eighth. That's yep. just my personal opinion right there. Yep. Well, that's Boone overmanaging the bullpen. All right, but give me, uh, give me uh, a, a bad thing to take away from today, a negative. The negative is that um, we should have, I mean... Like I said, with um, with Chad Green yeah. giving up a run like that, like you know, you should mm-hmm. never put him in. Like you can't, you can't really trust somebody like that who's been going through struggles, especially when you have a one-run lead. Like you need to have like somebody consistent. Like, if it was like somebody like Johnny Lasagna, I would understand that because he knows how to handle himself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that. And Peter, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. I'll join the Cabana soon over there on Twitter. Uh, it's just um. It's just that Chad Green is just not feeling it right now. Not to mean he can't ever feel it again this season, but for right now, he is probably the weakest link in, in the Yankees' bullpen, which is the strength of the team, I'd say. And, you know, when he came in, you're like, oh, boy, here we go. Hold your breath. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that that I would move Roldis Chapman into the setup role and, and keep Michael King as my closer at this point in the season. I mean, Aroldis Chapman, he was he was the exception. He threw high heat over 100 miles an hour. What does he have the tattoo? 105 on his arm, right? Well, well, Major League Baseball has caught up to him. The rest of the pitchers in the league have caught up to him in terms of speed, just straight gas. And factor that in with the fact that he has lost confidence in his fastball. Factor that in with the fact that he hasn't been able to um, locate his secondary or tertiary pitches with with much consistency. I don't trust him. I don't trust him in the ninth inning at all. But that night that I was there in the press box, you had Robles Chapman come in, bases lo- he, he he loads the bases, Boone takes him out, and King, in his best Houdini impression, works out of it. I mean, you got to give him a look there as the closer. Marty in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. Um, I'm looking forward to the um, NFL draft on Thursday. Yeah, and uh, a big Giants fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking um, with a number five pick, uh, I think they're definitely going to pick an offensive lineman. But mm-hmm. to me, the big question mark is what they're going to do with the seventh pick. And I think this might be tied to what happens with uh, James Bradbury. Absolutely. Uh, because I read that if they do, part ways with Bradbury, then they might go for a cornerback. Yep. So, um, I do think they really need an edge rusher uh, with that pick, so it's uh, that that's a mystery pick for me, the number seven pick. Yeah, Marty, I'm so glad you talked about James Bradbury, because um, I, I was on with um, the Las Vegas Raiders official radio shows out there. They had me on, and 
Uh, they were asking me about, oh, they, I forget what they were asking me about. But anyway, well, uh, the top, uh, one of the topics of conversation came up with um, which giant would make a good raider. And I brought up two people and I, and I said, Logan Ryan would be a pretty good raider. And I thought James Bradbury would be a really good fit there. He's a very good cornerback. Uh, the giants just can't afford him really is what it comes down to. So I would probably, if I, if I'm get if I'm making a guess, I would say that James Bradbury would be traded be on or before draft day. Not, uh, as you know, that he stinks or anything like that, but because he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit financially, et cetera, et cetera. He's a good player. He's a great player for the Giants, but he's just not a fit anymore. And if they can get something for him, I think they will. And I and I think you might see a trade, and I think that would, um, like you said, Marnie, you know, slant the Giants in the direction of, of picking a cornerback in the draft. And lucky for them, they should have their pick of one or two very talented cornerbacks, which we will talk about in, in, in coming up right, right after this. Uh, we've got Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. You're up on the fan, Sparky. First of all, how's everything going, Coach? I'm good. How are you, Sparky? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Now, with the thing that happened with the Yankee fans, I was listening to the game. Yes. What that, to me, it's 100% about... You know there's always going to be trouble when people get beer courage and beer muscles. Mm-hmm. Okay? And as far as the game itself, one negative and one positive. When you have Gallo, Hicks, and Higgy behind the plate, that's like having three pitches in a lineup. At the moment, yes. Okay? And the positive... Isn't Cortez like such a, 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 a just a joy to watch? Oh, the guy's a gamer. I love watching him. Yes. I mean, he's the reason why, in my mind, you throw the speed gun out the window. Yep. Because that guy is just a total flat out pitcher. Yep. Okay. And now, my last point as far as now tomorrow or today being a Coles pitching. This is why I am so anti-Cashman. Okay, last week, Cashman still was publicly crying about the Astros cheating yeah. against us. Yeah. Okay? Now, my question for Cashman would be, if the Astros are cheating so much, which they were, why would you give one of their cheating pitches $300 million? Well, I think, well, Sparky, the, the whole... Thing was on on the hitters. I mean, there wasn't anything that had come out about the pitchers uh, in that moment. Well, you know, what, you know what? When I bring up the thing with the pitchers, where you wonder where something was kind of phony is when Justin Verlander went from Detroit to Houston. When he was with the Tigers that last year or so, he looked like he was totally done. Mm. And then he goes to Detroit, I mean, to the Astros, and he looks like he's Cy Young. The thing that I did read about that, and I'm not trying to defend the Astros, obviously, by any means, but what I did read about that is they were very heavily, heavily invested in the analytics department and in terms of, like, diagnosing things and stuff like that. So, like, Verlander in particular, for his case, I forget the pitch, I guess a curveball it was, uh, whatever the pitch was, they told him that his release point needs actually to be three inches higher than what he was actually 
having as his release point, and that would make you know that would open up the pitch as a more effective pitch. So I think there was more diagnostic analytics going on there than people know about. I don't. I, they could have been cheating as well, but I, I don't. There's no evidence of it, and no one's admitted to it. So, and, and as far and as far as the Yankee bullpen, you might by the end of the year see King be the closer. Yeah, I, I hope. I hope like next week. I mean, you know, really? that's like because you know that's you know we joke around. You got us and the us and the Mets have one major thing in common. As a Mets fan. Can you, how you, do you think they feel confident when Diaz comes into a game? Yeah, I know. And as a Yankee fan, I don't feel too good about Chapman coming into a game. I know. Yeah, Spark, know? Sparky, I asked this question. Thanks for the call there. I asked this question last week. I said, who would you rather? Would you rather have Chapman come in and close the game or would you rather have Edwin Diaz come in and close the game? Pete, who's your vote? Real quick. Don't think. I'm taking Diaz, but I don't like it at all. Me too. I don't like it one bit. I know. I'm taking Diaz too. I'm a, I, I'm a Mets fan, so we're you know we're made to feel nervous in those situations. But yeah. maybe we're supposed to not feel so nervous right now about that. Well, now nah, you should still feel nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think right. you should. But but I, listen, I, no one is Mariano Rivera, and I understand that. But a role to Chapman. The guy scares the crap out of me. Yeah, you know, when he comes in, they have the whole fire and flames going on in the stadium and the whole thing, and it's just like, oh, well, here we go again. He had a much longer, great run than ninety-five percent of closers. So at this point, is it cherry on top? I don't know. Yankees fans don't want to hear that, but nah, he's he's over the hump a little bit. So, uh, well, how about this, Garrett Cole, starting tomorrow? in the uh, the series finale against the Guardians with his sick It Should Be About Us. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Pete Kenny on the ones and twos and on the phones. As you just heard, Mike McCann say, as we talked about before, the reason why Michael Conforto has not signed with the team, well, he underwent shoulder surgery. He won't be back till next spring training. And Scott Boris issued the following statement to Ken Rosenthal, and he said, last week, Michael Conforto underwent successful sur- shoulder surgery by Dr. Neil Etatrache. <laughs> Sorry. But he's expected to make a full recovery and return to play in spring training 2023. And you might say, okay, well, how and when did this injury occur? Did he play with this with the Mets? No. He, it says, a Conforto 29 reportedly suffered an injury to his sh- shoulder after landing irregularly during a workout drill earlier this winter. And he originally attempted to let his shoulder heal without going uh, through the operation course, but that didn't work, and uh, he has changed his mind. So how about that? Conforto turned down the qualifying offer of $18.4 million from the Mets, and uh, now he's out of work. Hmm. Hmm. That stinks. He's a good guy. I do like him, and that just stinks for him. Um, but in case you missed it also, too, Saturday afternoon, Miguel Cabrera, he was sitting on career hit number 2,999 since April 20th, and he finally got hit number 3,000 in front of the home crowd in Detroit. Beautiful stadium, by the way. But I mentioned this because 
So many people around here were up in arms about Aaron Boone's decision to walk in, but it was absolutely the right decision to ch- and to channel Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. I mean, even Cabrera himself after the game acknowledged that it was the right decision. And then A.J. Hinch, speaking of those Astros, A.J. Hinch said, Booney's obligation is to his own team and their chances of winning, and they had the matchup behind Miggy that he wanted. So you could see it coming. I know our fans responded accordingly, but I totally get it. And if you're a fan in the stands talking about behavior, right? If you're a fan in the stands, maybe you skipped work, maybe you skipped school, and for me it would have been one and the same. School is work during the week anyway. Maybe it took you know a lot of money to go there to see the game, everything else. You're trying to witness history, and then you don't. And I could see how that's frustrating. And have you been there? Have you listening right now been there? You went through hoops to get to a specific game, whatever it is, a particular game, any sport, and it just didn't happen. And you're frustrated because I've been there. And me and my cousin were once at Yankee Stadium, and just by chance, actually, we had tickets to the game. Where, you know, we're, we're a, week in, a week out, we're like, wait a second. Alex Rodriguez, he could hit 600 home runs when we're there. Let's see. And he was sitting at 599. He was sitting at 599. And then that night, Alex Rodriguez was 0 for 2. And then he got a chance in the bottom of the seventh inning. He got a chance. So between innings, I think he was due up first that inning, if I'm not mistaken. But we, we got down. We walked all the way down to the 100 level, you know, behind the plate, you know, the standing little area there behind the plate. And we were watching from right there. And A-Rod took the first pitch to deep right center. We're like, yeah, we saw history, yeah, until it was caught. And he wasn't going to get up again. So we didn't boo him or anything. No one really did. We just kind of left the stadium quietly at that point. It was a school night. I was tired. He's a police officer talking about that. And uh, he was also tired, so we left. But the very next day, in the bottom of the first inning, he didn't waste any time, A-Rod. He did it. So we missed it by a day. Only a couple hours, really, if you really want to get down to it. But anyway, congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. An all-time great, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and a 300 lifetime average. And that exclusive club is now Cabrera, Mays, and Aaron. That's it. That's the list. So, by the way, the next, uh, let me ask you, do you think we're ever going to see a 3,000 hit hitter again? I don't think so because the next closest player to hit 3,000 is the steroid asterisk Robinson Cano. He's 39 years old, and after tonight, he's got 2,631 hits uh, on his career. Uh, not likely. It's going to be a while if it happens at all. I don't think it's going to happen again, honestly. Because Cabrera, the 33rd person to do it, he might just might very well be the last. All right, we'll go to the order that you call. Kyle in Long Island, you're up in the, on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? The first thing i got to say, I love you and uh, Keith on these, uh, on these night shows. It's great. Appreciate I'm it. I'm starting to work later, and now I'm uh, getting a taste of you guys, and it's uh, nothing but pleasurable. Oh, anyway, um, I heard you guys talking about Michael King in the closer role. I, I got to say, I like him better, no matter how good he is or how bad Chapman is, I like him better as a high-leverage 
multi-inning reliever. I think if you designated him as closer only, you'd be missing out. Like we had the performance a few days ago um, with three innings, eight, eight strikeouts. strikeouts yeah. And I think if right, exactly. And I, I think if he can get his pitch count in that 30 to 40 range consistently and be that sharp against a team that hits so well as yeah. the, the Guardians, um, I think he's just so much, just how like Chad Green did in that, I think it was 2017 wildcard game, you know, picking up Seve after the um, mm-hmm. three runs in the first. Just a, a, I think the Yankees have been missing like a multi-inning high-leverage guy. Well, the thing um, is there, Kyle, you know, Nestor Cortez pitched into the seventh day. The problem for me is that Aaron Boone is yanking these guys after the fifth inning most of the time, or even the sixth. It's just too early. If he let them f- pitch, like, and and they're cruising, right? So if he just let them pitch and sustain them a little bit longer, you wouldn't need to worry about guys eating up three innings, two innings, and this and that. And you just make King your closer. I, but I do see your point. It's a good point. And maybe that's why they haven't made the switch yet. Right. Yeah. I, I think with the data showing the sort of third time around the lineup, uh, the batting average jump is really dictating what Boone's doing. I think at this point in the season, it's not about the short spring training and the arm health, but um, I think, you know, inevitably there's going to be injuries in the in the rotation of the bullpen, whatever it be, and he's going to have to start leaving uh, starters in there longer. So I guess we'll see what they do with King then. Yeah, and and, and we'll see, Kyle. We'll see what happens with that. But um, I, I just loved – the confidence that I have in Michael King when he's on the mound, it, it, it's high. The confidence I have in Chapman when he's on the mound, it's not high at all. Well, let's just put it that way. Peter in Hope Sound, Florida. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I love the show. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for being part of it. Oh, thank you. Um, so going to the Amazon thing. Um, yeah. I'm a, bo- I'm a born and raised a New Yorker from Brooklyn, lifelong Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. I'll be turning 65 in like three weeks. So if uh, and I'm living in South Florida now for about three years, so I know if I was in the New York tri-state area, I would really be ticked off at the fact that I would have to you know pay another fifteen bucks a month to get Amazon Prime for twenty-one games. So, well, it's well t- technically it's Amazon Prime Video, which is a, right. It's the free app, I believe. I think that app is. I mean, I have Amazon Prime anyway, but I do believe Amazon Prime Video is. Free to stream, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think. Well, you know, I'm going to look into that. But, yeah. but uh, nonetheless, the part that that bothers me, and um, I'm really upset being in South Florida. I mean, I love the Yes Network, so but my priority is getting every Yankee game. So I had no choice but to su- subscribe to MLB.tv, mm-hmm. which I get totally free from T-Mobile as a promotion. Me too. Great. Me too. I love it. It's the best thing that they do on T-Mobile Tuesdays. It's like, what a perk. I switched over to T-Mobile. Just because it pays for itself. Verizon, yeah. And then, and, and, wow, they give you the whole, and not just a single team yes. subscription, the entire league. I said, and I would have paid for it anyway. Yep. But the part that um, I'm going to give it, give it to you from a perspective of someone out of market. Mm-hmm. Now, in market, I can understand the frustration of people, number one, having to pay for it or, or um, you know, uh, downloading the app and so forth. But... Uh, I'm a fairly tech-savvy person, and the problem that I had once I discovered that these 21 games and this first game was going to be on Amazon Prime Video mm-hmm. um, is un- understanding how to get it. Now, you know, I subscribe to MLB.TV. I get the app. I get the emails. And everywhere you see for, for that televised game says Amazon Prime Video. 
but they're not explaining to you that um, that's only in market. If you're out of market, right. like me, right. um, all I had to do was tune into MLB.tv, mm-hmm. and voila, the game was there, yeah. as if it's coming from Amazon uh, Prime Video. And I'm looking all over the internet. The, the MLB app doesn't explain that to you, where it gives the listing for the game. It says Amazon Prime Video. So I guarantee you there are a lot of out-of-market people that are not that tech-savvy that says, oh, I don't, I'll subscribe to Amazon Prime Video. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to get the game. I have MLB.tv, and, and I got the game. So, you know, that's one aspect of it. Um, and now from the unruly uh, uh, fans, um, look, you're never going to stop it. It's impossible. But the part that bothers me, being a born-and-raised New Yorker, and how we're in the spotlight, that you have, what, 20, 30 fans that were throwing stuff on the field, 40 maybe, and 40,000 people live have to pay the price for it, and I know you touched on it, mm-hmm. and millions more that would go to a game and would never think about throwing something on the field. Yep. But now the media will accentuate it, and all New Yorkers are terrible, all Yankee f- uh, fans are criminals. Oh, and it's already happened. That's the part that bothers me immensely. Yep. It's already happened, Peter. You're hearing it already. And the Indian, Indians, the Cleveland Guardians, they're saying Yankee fans are terrible. No, it's just it's just the select few that have, again, ruined it for the many. Right. And there will always be that select few. Yeah. You will never be able to stop it. N- never. It's impossible yep. to stop it. And it's like playing whack-a-mole, right? And it's right. like, and it's, this- it's a whole psychological concept, too, of like the mob mentality. Like, Maybe you wouldn't do it if you were just by yourself, but everybody's hanging you on and a few drinks in. You're going to do it. You're just going to do it because you're part of a crowd. Right. Well, I said it's that the type of person that would do that, which is criminal. It's like the the, the officer that's a, a call earlier. They should be nailed. They should be prosecuted. And they should be made an example. Yeah. And the next time that this happens, and it will happen again, yep. it'll be another 15, 20, 30, 40 fans that do it. Yep. And they won't be the same fans. There'll be a different group of 20, 30, 40. Yep. And then tens of thousands and millions of people have to pay the price for what a, a minuscule amount of people do. Yeah, Peter, it's frustrating. It's totally, utterly and completely frustrating. I get it. Steve in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Fire the sensor. All right, Danielle. And those people banning Steve from Manhattan, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. First, two of the biggest scams of my lifetime are cable TV and these now subscription-based streaming services. Yeah. Eventually, the, folks, the cheapest plan is going to be buying season tickets. And the Amazon password, when you, sell, when you buy something on Amazon, mm-hmm. the reason why women don't give the password to their husbands is they want their husbands to know that they're buying $200 pair of sneakers for their boyfriends. Now, well, I, I remember... Uh, Steve, come on. That's uh, stupid. I mean, that's just stupid. That's just, I cut you off right there. That's just stupid. I, I call, I tell you guys, I want well thought out takes. So maybe you had a good Yankee point, which is what it said on the screen, but you leave with that stupidity, you're going to get cut off. Sorry. Steve in Long Island, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Daniel? I'm good. How are you, Steve? I enjoyed listening to you. I want to talk about uh, football and basketball. I'm going to start with basketball. Uh, the Nets, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, yeah, you gotta, it's a joke to uh, pay uh, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant the money that they're getting mm-hmm. and to be down three zip. It's, it's, a, it's an outrage. Uh, the fans uh, should be outraged. The uh, ownership of the team should be outraged. 
these two players supposedly are the top two players on the court, and uh, maybe the surrounding or depth of the uh, Celtics is greater. But if you have Kyrie Irving and Durant on your team, you shouldn't be down 3-0 in any series, much less to the Celtics. Well, Steve Nash is just simply getting outcoached. That's what it is. I mean, how can you not devise a plan to, to spring Kevin Durant free in three games? I know the defense is smothering. The Celtics' defense is smothering. But it, Steve, uh, he's being outcoached, in my opinion. It's very possible, but uh, these two players, whether they're being outcoached or not, these two players should be taking uh, the game uh, on their own shoulders mm-hmm. and carrying the team on their own shoulders and finding a way to win. They don't need a coach. Uh, these are these are elite NBA players. They right. should be figuring it out themselves. Yep. So it's it's a joke. And uh, if they if they play Simmons on Monday night, they got to be out of their minds. You would think. I mean, come on. They haven't never played with him before. They're going to play in a do or die situation. They're going to insert him into the line. Are they crazy? Yes. <laughs> yes, crazy. they would be. Yes. It's crazy. I know. Crazy. Oh, I know. I, it's it's the whole thing of like, all right, then Steve, thanks for the call. That that would be nuts. It would be like, all right, this guy, let's just see what he can do. Let's just insert him here and see what he can do. But then again, maybe he is a difference maker, and you won't know until you try it. I am on the stance of do not put Ben Simmons into that game. Just don't. Tom, North Brunswick, you're up on the fan. How you doing, uh, Danielle? I haven't talked to you for a while. I know. It's been a while, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, Mets are 11-5. and five. Now, tomorrow, they got to take the uh, another series. Yep. You can't win every game, but... Uh, well, they're uh, gonna if, if they win tomorrow, <laughs> they're going to have won every series so far this season. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So. I, I have a good feeling about tomorrow. Then they go to St. Louis. Yep. But uh, I want to... Uh, the Mets, uh, what can you say? Uh, they're doing very well. Like McNeil looks like he's uh, back to his old self again, and uh, yep. I, you know I just like the whole team. Uh, the bullpen's a little shaky, but I, it's fine. The starting pitching is unbelievable. Now on the Yankees, and under you know, despite everybody going wild about how bad they're playing, they're nine and six. The one thing about the Yankees, their bullpen is out of this world great yes. so far. I mean, they that are the really strength. good. Yep, that's the strength of this team for sure. Yeah, and the, and the starting pitching is is better than people think it is too. So. And, uh, you know, it's been uh, over a year now. Last year they were third in the American League in the ERA. So mm-hmm. that's probably why they won 92 games because they, they, they had trouble hitting last year. But I think um, eventually they'll start hitting because they have too much talent on the team. And as far as the Mets go, um, uh, they look so, they've gotten off to good starts before, but this team, they're, they're, it's just balanced. They have a, a balanced lineup. They can beat you with a double, triple, not only just a home run, they got power, some power. Yep. And I, I like uh, Escobar at third. He looks like a solid third baseman. He, he does. Yes. He's been a nice surprise. You know, so I'm, I'm very happy. But they got to. I want them to take the, today's today's game and then go to St. Louis and take it from there. Well, Danielle, you have a nice day today. Thanks, Tom. Let's go Mets over there, right? Um, yeah. I, I, there's there's a lot to like about this Mets team. I think it's the the ideal in my mind, the ideal lineup where you were just saying. You have guys that can hit for power. You guys that, you know, Jeff McNeil had a triple, an RBI triple tonight. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Mets seem to be able to situationally hit. And then he ended up scoring, by the way. And the Mets seem to situationally hit, whereas the Yankees don't really. But let's not do that tonight because there's going to be the rest of the season do that. Today, the Yankees situationally hit. 
to the Yan- today the Yankees won. And, and I stumbled, and I said it in the open, I stumbled upon something. I did a little research. I have the printout of the Yankees' schedule right here in my hand. I went through it one game by one game. There's only 15, so it's manageable. But, you know, the Yankees are right now 9-6. and six. They have played 15 games. And in the games where they have hit a home run, they have won. And the games where they have not hit a home run, they have lost. And that statement stands true for 12 of the 15 games. So as soon as Donaldson hit the home run today, you knew they were going to win the game. All right, since we are the Yankee Radio Network, also the Giants Radio Network, the New York football Giants, Giants fans, a first-round pick just one year ago, already with one foot out the door. Say it ain't so. Plus, let's talk your team's draft strategy up next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Got some Drake. I love it. I'm loving this. This is a good mix. All right. Giants fans, I'm going to appeal to you now. Let's talk a little NFL draft in the final 40 minutes or so here. Uh, McCartan After Midnight on The Fan. Mike Fliegelman comes your way at 2. Kadarius Toney, the New York Giants 20th overall pick just one year ago. Well, seems to be by multiple reports, multiple takes, multiple accounts on the trade block. And do you remember what I said about him right after the draft last year? If you're a fan of the show, you know. I questioned his want, his desire to play the game of football. Lo and behold, here we are. His first season, oh, it was injuries, it was COVID, it was cleat problems, it was frustration, inconsistencies, in-game punches, Sick grandmother issues. I mean, it was everything. Like, you know when you don't want to do something and you make up every single excuse in the book? Well, that's what it sounds like to me with Kadarius Toney. And, um, you know, he's got good talent. But to me, he just doesn't have that want, that grit, that desire, that work ethic to be great. And so, to address the trade rumors... Kadarius Toney took to his favorite platform on Friday night to communicate his thoughts, his Instagram story. Why else? Where else? And his first uh, post, there were two of them, he wrote, if you believe in everything on the internet, you gullible. And then he put three crying, laughing faces. That was followed up by, you gonna hurt your own damn feelings trying to hurt me. Um, Probably can't say that part on the radio. Like, basically, I'm going to paraphrase by saying he doesn't care about nothing. So, trade him. I'm with you, Joe Shane. Cut your losses now. And like I said before, another name I'd watch, if I were a Giant fan, is a James Bradbury pre-draft or draft day trade. So, for me, it kind of sort of complicates or clouds things a little bit for my Giants draft strategy. But based on the needs as the roster is currently constructed right now, I mean, by the way, FanDuel is projecting the Giants. It's it's they're setting it at four and a half games. I'm sorry, they're setting it at seven and a half games. The Giants have the fourth easiest projected strength of schedule based on last year's um, uh, results from the teams that they have on their schedule this year. Which is okay, seven and a half games. That might take the. I might say eight for these Giants. But their needs, as it stands right now, with Tony on the roster. With Bradbury on the roster, you know they're going offensive line with one. 
they're probably going, it depends what's, you know, on the board still, but I would guess probably an edge rusher at, or at least a defensive lineman there at, at two. And then at, you know, the third, their third pick, which ends up being pick number 36 in the second round, you've got to think they're going wide receiver at that point, especially without Tony. It just depends on, it just depends, right, at that point in time. So, I, as I was saying before, if I'm the Giants, uh, the offensive lineman that I like best, based on my, you know, e- extensive research that I've done, really seriously, um, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, I think the Giants, if he's there, Evan Neal is your guy. Evan Neal is your guy. Uh, a good on Good in Good Morning Football on Friday, he said, "I am dependable. I am a day one starter, and I played three positions, and I only missed one game in three years, and it was all due to COVID." Okay, the guy's got the right mentality, that's for sure. He plays both left and right tackle. He has experience against the best competition the NCAA has to offer. There's so many things to like about Evan Neal. Then you compare him against Iquanu, uh, who's a nice player, but the red flag for me, for Iquanu, and he's a nice player, and they are, you know, Evan Neal, in my opinion, is the third best player in the draft. is the fourth best player. But for me, why I would stay away from him if I were the Jets and, and the Giants, both teams, I would say no to Iquanu because scouts say about him that he has, this is a quote, still plenty of work needed in pass protection. Well, for how many years have we been complaining about Daniel Jones and pass protection, right? Okay. And for the Jets, for, for Zach Wilson to develop, He's going to need some pass protection. So in that sense, Iquanu is a nice player. Sure, if he ended up going to the Jets or the Giants, I mean, he's an excellent locker room guy, culture-building personality, plays with a violent on-field demeanor. I mean, all of that is nice, but the fact that he still needs plenty of work in pass protection, I would stay away from. So the first offensive lineman off the board for me would be Evan Neal, and hopefully um, – it would be toward the Giants at the you know for the Giants, and then going with the second need base for the Giants, I would say uh, linebacker or edge rusher. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson will not be there for the Giants. So then you get your pick pretty pretty much between Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson. The second, I know that Trayvon Walker has been you know the lauded kind of guy. I would probably pick him over Jermaine Johnson, although I do like Jermaine Johnson. I mean, he's got. I, I like Jermaine Johnson as a player, but the one red flag for me about him was that he did not qualify academically coming out of Eden Prairie High School. That's a red flag, and maybe he changed. Um, he's a little light at 254 pounds for me too as a defensive end, um, but in my experience in the classroom, that's a red flag. And Florida State, who knows if they pushed him through the program? You know what I mean. Uh, Trayvon Walker would be the pick uh, for me. So for the Giants, clearly I'm going offensive line, defensive line for the Giants. Giant fans, call me up. What do you think? What do you think? How Would you be uh, upset with uh, a combination of either Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu and Trayvon Walker? I think that's a home run for the Giants. Let's go to Topar in Austin, Texas. Go ahead. You're on the fan. Hey, uh, so I'm a lifelong uh, Nets fan, been a Nets fan my whole life, and this is probably the most disappointing Nets season in recent memory. 
And I remember in 2009 when we only won 12 games. I remember in 2013 when Nate Robinson and the Bulls beat us mm-hmm. in the first round 4-3. Um, yeah, I, just, and it's the most disappointing because of everything around it, all the expectations, the injuries, Joe Harris being out, uh, KD being out, uh, Harden quitting, Kyrie being part-time, Simmons still not playing. Yes. So, it's a um, lot to overcome. And, and and don't forget the Joe Harris injury as well. Yeah, Joe Harris with his ankle. And, I mean, you add all that in, and it's like, you know, just talking about, like, what's on, what, what's on the court and, and the product on the court. It's like 2018 and 2019 when we had Kenny Atkinson, D'Angelo Russell, yeah. uh, Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen. That was funner. Yep. I, I enjoyed that season. That's actually the funnest net season in recent memory. Anyways, this is year three of the experiment with KD and Kyrie on the court. Um, Sean Marks needs to figure this out this offseason. I also think Nash needs to go. Yep. I don't know what needs to be done with the roster. But yeah, we, we I tell you, here, here's the out. answer. Blow it up. That's the answer. You think you think Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant are going to stick around? No. No. Right. And, 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 and as you started the call with, this might be the biggest disaster in, in Nets history. Because... Look at what you gave up to build this roster as it's currently constructed. And then all of those things that you beautifully outlined went wrong for the team this year. And now look where you are. Not in a good position for the future, I'd say. I don't think that Durant and Irving are going to stick around. Um, I just don't. I just have a feeling. Not that I know anything. I just have a feeling. I mean, these guys are all championship chasers. They thought they were going to get one here in, in, in Brooklyn. And guess what? They're on the verge of being eliminated, swept by the Celtics. Swept. Joe in Massapequa, you're up on the fan. What's up, Danielle? Um, I was a Giants season ticket holder for the last uh, three-ish seasons, and the best product I saw at MetLife Stadium was the Guardians. The Guardians were good. I was there, too. I I used to work for the Guardians. They were great. I sat first row on the bench. It was fantastic. But um, <laughs> I, with that being said, the Giants' product has not been very good. Um, trading Tony, he's he's Odell Beckham with more problems. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay with it, but they need to choose a route. Either you're blowing it up, or you're trying to compete. It's a very competable division. There's it, there's beatable teams around us. You can you can get maybe four wins in the division. You would say, you know, you split with uh, with the Cowboys, hopefully, mm-hmm. and you could probably take two or three from um, the, the Commanders or the Eagles. Yeah. And you're competing, but they need to choose. Are they competing? Or if they're blowing it up, then it's time to get rid of Saquon Barkley, too. Mm. The Saquon experiment's over. He's injured. We can't keep telling, you know, we were going to bring Daniel Jones forever, but he's never had all, all his tools. I hated the Galladay signing from the beginning. Well, the Galladay, just- so, okay, so, so a bunch of things. So, so Saquon Barkley, right, um, they said they're, they're not trading him. They're, they're, he will be a giant. Daniel Jones, let's see what he's, he does with all of his weapons. And then Kenny Galladay was never used as his intended purposes. You know what I mean? The guy specializes in 50-50 balls. How many 50-50 balls did he get last year? I don't know the number offhand, but I'm telling you it's not a lot. He wasn't used and in the right way. 
Joe Judge's way of coaching was to say that, yeah, today we're going to go get him his touchdown. It's not what you do pregame. You don't let people know you're uh, <laughs> yeah. shooting down the field for Galladay. Yeah, right. Right. It didn't work out, in case uh, you were wondering. He gets zero touchdowns. Right. Well, and here's the thing, Joe. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new coaching staff that, I, for all accounts that I have seen, want and welcome player feedback in the sense of, okay, what do you do best? We're going to tailor the offense to you. And a lot of times I was couldn't believe I was hearing this. Somebody was telling me, a former NFL player was telling me that, no, it's just the system. Like, you play to the system. But as a coach myself, I, I wouldn't want to just impose my system on a team and hope it works. As a coach myself, I would say, okay, what are the strengths of my team and, and how can I game plan to accentuate those strengths? But I don't know. The good news is it seems like Dayball will be doing that uh, for the Giants moving forward. You would think, based on everything I've seen, heard, and read. Whatever. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Robert in Deer Park, you are up on the fan. Oh, good morning, Miss Danielle. How are you, Robert? All right. Um, I want to thank you for being very personable. Um, the way you explain things, you're very um, easy to follow, and you're very knowledgeable. Thanks. You know what it is? I think it's uh, my, my 11 or 12 years in a classroom, really, honestly. Yeah, you got patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I do. I want to talk about um, the fans. They're out of control. Yeah. Um, we should be more respectful to everybody because we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. Um. Mr. Mike Tyson was on a plane the other oh, day. Oh, good for you for bringing he, this up. Yes. He was going to a um, 420 weed festival, now that weed and marijuana is legal, and he was minding those own business. It's all on camera. The man was belligerent. He was intoxicated. He was standing over him for a, a period of time, um, basically harassing him. Mm-hmm. They said he threw water on him. I didn't see that. Yeah. But Mike Tyson had enough. You have to remember, these people are um, athletes or entertainers, but they also are people. Yeah. There's a line when, when when you start getting physical with me, now there's a line. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you get physical with me, I, I kind of got to defend myself. Besides, people have um, tempers. Um, there's a lot going on in this world. We get the pandemic. You shouldn't be in my face. Uh, you shouldn't threaten me. How would you like if I threatened you? Not you, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Think of it the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, Do not threaten people. Uh, It's not a good idea, especially when they're on their way to a marijuana festival. (laughs) Forget about that, especially if the guy's name is Mike Tyson. Yeah, (laughs) I would ask him for autograph once and I would have left him alone. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be his punching bag. It was an autograph hound? Is that what it was? Well, that's what his friend said. The guy on the phone goes, uh-huh. all he wanted was an autograph. Uh-huh. But the guy was belligerent. You could see he was out of it. Yeah. He was a nice young man, but he maybe had too much. And I do agree, they should get beer in aluminum cans. If you throw an aluminum can, it, it's not going to hurt. Well, I think and that's it's not going to travel far. That's what they did do. That's what it is at Yankee Stadium. It's those big aluminum cans that they have. I was saying the aluminum cups that they give out at, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Those are those well, would be a, the best. Well, I'm a Met fan, and when I go to the Met games, they give us all beer in aluminum cans, which I think is good because it actually keeps the beer colder. Yeah, that's what it is. You don't want to put it in a plastic cup because your hand, the no. heat from your hand. Oh, yeah. you're going to spill half of it walking. I know. <laughs> yeah, that too. Actually, you know what, Robert? They might actually do that now because you do spill half of it walking to your seat, so you're going to have to go buy more. Yeah, you're going to bump into somebody. There's <laughs> 40,000 people there. And then the real fights are going to start because if you're pouring beer all over my authentic jersey, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to start a fight. 
No, you, you <laughs> spilled, you, no, you spilled my twelve dollar cup of beer. Now I, I want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're here, we're solving the world's problems here, Robert. I appreciate yeah, the call. I, um, I love the way you carry yourself. I love the way you talk. Um, thank God for you, and, and God bless you and everything you do. And you keep it up, okay? Oh, thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. All right, have a good night. You too. Do we have one? Can we do one more before we go? All right, Matt Middletown. You're lucky. You're lucky, Matt. You're up. Go ahead. All right. I feel lucky. <laughs> what do you got for us? I just wanted to talk about the Mets yeah. and uh, Pete Alonso. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't understand why we want to trade Dominic Smith and a few other guys. I think we should trade Pete. How do you feel about that? Mm. No, I'm still – well, first of all, I'm trading Robinson Cano or I'm ridding myself of Robinson Cano, and I'm, sl- and I'm not trading either of the two of them uh, because when – you got a perfect situation where you've got a first baseman and a DH, and you could just keep rotating the two of them. Just keep rotating and rotating them. So at r- right now, I'm keeping both of them. I totally agree. Uh, Dom Smith is one of my favorite players on the Mets, so I hope we get to keep him. You know, I was I was initially like, all right, trade Dom Smith, trade Dom Smith, and then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but you knew that the National League was coming down with the uh, the DH, and on, uh, you're like, no. You're not trading him. That's a perfect spot for him, especially since the two of them t- combined are making like n- not a lot of money. It'd be silly to trade to both of them for what? What do you need? I totally agree. Can I ask one quick question before I uh, let you go? Mm-hmm. I just want to know the issue with the Brooklyn Nets. Why can't they beat the Celtics? Why can't they get it together? Oh, they don't play any I mean, defense. That's what it is. Yeah, is that what it is? They don't play defense. <laughs> they don't play defense. I've, and, and... I've been watching. I keep reading about them, and it's just a shame, you know. Yeah. No. New York they... basketball has. When is New York basketball going to, you know, be something again? Knicks, the Nets. I mean, well, it's the a Nets big thing. Were, a, the Nets were projected to win, to win the championship this season. Yeah, but, you know. Uh, I know. Except they don't play any defense. And this this Boston Celtics defense is absolutely shutting down Kevin Durant. And it's it's ugly. Because there's, there's really not really a supporting cast of guys around him. I know there's Kyrie, but then what? And that was James Harden. And he left. All right, I appreciate your time. Have a good rest of your night. Yeah, Get thank, home safe. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So we talked some Giants draft strategy. strategy. Kadarius Tony, see ya. Goodbye. And before we hand the, the program off to Mike Fliegelman, who is here, why trading for Debo Samuel, in my opinion, would signal the same old Jets mentality. And, of course, I'll give you my New York Jets draft strategy coming up next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan of New York City. Mike Fliegelman is here. He's coming your way in about 15 minutes. But until then, it's me and you. And we're talking New York Jets. You know, Debo Samuel. It's been trending on Twitter. His name has been trending on Twitter for days and days and days leading up to this draft. Will he be a Jet? Well, he's a nice player. He's a great player, even. And he's a weapon that the Jets could really use. But to me, this is a total case of Right guy, bad timing, maybe next year. And, of course, we're going to take your Jets calls, your Giants calls, your Nets calls, your Yankees, and your Mets. We'll do some speed round coming up as soon as as soon as soon we finish this. But Debo Samuel, I mean, come on. The Jets' projected win total for next season is five and a half games. I would maybe say, look at the division, I would say maybe they win four games. They're playing the Packers, too. The Jets have a tough schedule, Okay. And that sounds about right. So 
why would the Jets trade major draft capital, probably the number 10 and the number 38 overall pick, for a wide receiver in the last year of his contract who will be looking for a major payday after that? I mean, what is Debo's win share? I'd have to ask Cynthia Freeland that. But I can tell you right now, with that defense, I can never pronounce this word. The, the Jets' defense is a sieve, 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 Swiss cheese. It sucks, okay? Debo Samuel is not going to single-handedly get the Jets to the playoffs. And if the, the Jets were to make this move for a superstar player while they're in the middle of a rebuild, I mean, I'm telling you, this is same old Jets territory. And based on my research, this is a completely deep wide receiver class. And I would rather pick a wide receiver in the draft than go ahead and get Debo Samuel for the strategy that the Jets are employing right now. He's a nice player. He's a great player, but it's a bad timing. Okay? So if I were the Jets, I mean, their their biggest needs right now are edge rusher, cornerback, and then wide receiver. And that's the order that I would go. I would go, same thing as I said for the Giants, Trayvon Walker first. If he's off the board, you're going to go Jermaine Johnson. I'm not projecting Aiden Hutchinson to be there. I'm also not projecting uh, Thibodeau to be there either. So with Hutchinson and Thibodeau off the board, I would go Walker and then Johnson for if I'm the Jets. Now, I, I mentioned it before, cornerback. Well, Sauce Gardner, nice player and everything. And, and Trent McDuffie, who is not getting a lot of press. Trent McDuffie, um, they're rated very similarly. And I love the raw skill, the ability of Gardner. I don't love the trash talking of no one can score on me because the NFL is a whole level up, and you don't want to motivate guys in the NFL, wide receivers in the NFL, any more than they already intrinsically are motivated. I typically love guys like that, but not right out of college, and definitely ones that probably, I haven't looked the number up, but probably were at the tops of the NCAA football season, college football season, uh, in penalties. Because Sauce Gardner... Although he didn't allow a receiving touchdown in his, in his collegiate career, although he has urgent and aggravating man-to-man coverage, his football his footwork needs to become a priority. He grabs and holds. He's got a plethora of holding and inter- pass interference calls over the past three years. So there's a lot to work on with him in terms of footwork. Then you get a guy like Trent McDuffie, and He's twitched up. He's got explosive bursts. He saw um, limited, though, NFL-level challenges in his schedule. I mean, he's coming out of Washington, right? So if you have a coaching staff that can coach, you know, the nonsense out of a sauce gardener and get him to use his feet and get him to work technically sound, um, can you get him to be a footwork technician? Do you think he's that motivated to be that detail-oriented? Like, I don't know these questions sitting here. I'm not in these interviews. But if you can do all of that with him, then you go out and get him. But if if the answer is no to any of those questions, then it's a pass. And you're picking McDuffie. I actually like Trent McDuffie, but if you think you can coach all that at a Gardner, then do it. There is one guy, cornerback, that I want nothing to do with. Derek Stingley. Junior. I mean, what they have to say about him, the scouts have to say about him. 
First of all, he's played in just 10 games over the last two years. He's inconsistent in finding the football. His coverage was lackadaisical versus Auburn. He's missing hardcore competitiveness on every snap. That's intrinsic. That's inherent. You can't coach that. I would stay far away from Derek Stingley Jr. Far away from him. And as far as the wide receivers for the Jets, I'm not reaching in the first round to do it. It'd be for me. It'd be a second round. Hopefully, at pick 35, I'd be looking at the, what who what wide receivers are left. My favorite two are Traylon Burks from Arkansas and Chris Olave from Ohio State. I probably would rank Olave higher than Burks um, for a multitude of different reasons, but um, I think he's just the, the better talent, the more natural talent, plays more fluently, um, all that, and actually probably the. Th- Third, let me number these right here. One, two, so I could tweet this out, right, on draft night. The third best wide receiver, I would say, is Drake London. If I were the Jets, if if the Jets take Drake London at, you know, in the first round with their uh, probably second pick, their number 10 pick, oh, my God. Oh, no. What a disaster that would be. Because in my mind, there are one, two guys better than him, and in the NFL's mind, there are four guys better than him. And that's how the NFL lists it. They list Garrett Wilson from Ohio State as the number one wide receiver, Traylon Burks, number two, Jamison Williams, number three, and Chris Olave, number four, and then Drake London, number five. And that's from the NFL and the NFL scouts. So if the Jets were to reach, that'd be a huge reach. It'd be a big mistake. If they're taking a wide receiver, especially I would wait till the second round, I, I want it to be Chris Olave. And if he's not there, Traylon Burks. And if he's not there, probably... Jamison Williams, although the ACL tear would scare me a bit. But again, the Jets, they're not going anywhere this year, so they have the time to afford to wait for him. So I would go him number three, and I would go Garrett Wilson from Ohio State number four. Drake London would be my number five. I'm sorry. And that's not a hot take. That's research. Bob and Bayside, you're up on the fan, Bob. Go ahead. Yes, I want to talk about the Darius Tony. Maybe there's some things you know that I don't know. But what I saw were flashes of brilliance. I saw a good connection between Daniel Jones and Tony. And uh, maybe there's some things you know that I don't know, but this I saw flashes of brilliance with this kid. Sure, but I, I so did I. But I also saw, uh, and I interpreted it as a guy full of excuses that I'm not sure. And, I, and, and there were the same questions coming out of the draft. How committed is he to his craft? How committed is he to the game of football and getting better every single day? He was full of excuses. Well, I, I just, I'm not buying well, it. Well, you spent... Danielle, you're speculating that he got injured. Give give the kid a chance. I mean, he loves football. I'm sure. Yeah, he's a and rapper though, that. but he's a rapper part time. Which one does he yeah. love more? Well, I mean, when I'm sure when he's on the football field, he wants to win. I don't know I, because I he had agree cle- with you on this, Bob. But he had cleat issues in, in 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 camp last year. He didn't show up this year. If you had a brand new coach with a brand new playbook, looking to better his offense with you in it. Why would you not show up to it? Why would you blow oh, it well, off? All right, uh, maybe I'm not aware of what you're talking about. But he didn't uh, show up to the. I know. I listen. I know it's voluntary. I know it's voluntary. But I mean, you got guys like Leonard Williams coming to. You know what I mean? Why would you not show up? You want to make a good impression on your new coaching staff, don't you? Like, 
Don't you have the, the motivation to do that? Don't you want to get the playbook in your hand? Don't you want to excel in this new system? See what they have planned for you? Wouldn't you be excited about that? You're right about that, except for one thing. As a year or two go by, uh, people grow up, too, you know. And uh, I want, I like talent. I want to see talent. Yeah, he's, and he has a lot of it. Danielle, you're doing a good job, but we disagree to disagree. That's okay. <laughs> Bob, that's all right. And that, that's what makes the world go round. I respectfully okay. disagree with you, but sure. Yeah. Well, it's okay. we'll see when he's healthy and on the field. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows if it's going to be in a giant uniform, though, there, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you want to make a bet, bet the Giants uh, exceed seven and a half this year. I think so. It's a soft division, and they've got the fourth easiest strength of schedule in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm betting the over on the Giants for that, definitely. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for the call there, Bob. You know what I did bet tonight, too? I did put $5 on the Nets-Celtics game to go into uh, into overtime, only because I was on following the game. But it didn't work out that way. The Nets, uh, Nets kind of got crushed. I mean, for me, that game was it was mostly mostly um, out of reach for the Nets. It was on. It was non competitive, mostly. But Kadarius Tony, listen, if even if it's voluntary, you're not getting paid. I I understand. I understand. I do, because you know I, I get it. When you, as a coach, you tell kids, you know, you have a summer program, it's voluntary, it's not obligated, you're not obligated to do it. You mean it, but then you're like, okay, but okay, I do mean that they're not obligated to come. And I'm not getting paid to be here either, by the way. I coach four nights a week in the summer. I don't get paid, but I do it to better the program. And the kids, they don't have to be there, but they show up in order to be there in order to get better every day, in order to make a good impression, in order to win a spot on the team. It's the same thing, only it's a professional football team, and, and the guy's getting paid to be there. All of them are, you know, to, to, to be a player, right? And it's a voluntary workout. I understand that. You've got a brand-new head coach. You've got a brand-new system. You want to make a good, I think you'd want to make a good impression on Brian Dayball, on your new GM, and say, hey, don't trade me. I'm good. Look, see, I could do it. If you could do it, of course. But it's a terrible look. It's a terrible look for a guy like Kadarius Tony, who has a multitude of question marks surrounding him and his name, to just decide that he's just not going to show up. He's not going to work with his quarterback. He's not going to get the playbook in his hand. He's not going to meet his new coach face-to-face. He's not going to do any of that. He can't be bothered with any of that. That, to me, is a red flag. And it's a red flag that I've raised last year. Now I'm raising it even higher this year. I think it's a big mistake. And if you can get something for him based on the speculation of, yeah, you've seen flashes from him. He, he's, he's good. He's a good player when he wants to be. You get something for him, I would do it. Especially because I just, I mean, a lot of these positions in this draft, this is not a deep draft by any means. It's really not because there are exactly zero players in this draft that the NFL labels as having Pro Bowl talent. Zero. I mean, last year, there was like nine. This year, it's zero. And if you look at the positions and the depth of the positions, defensive end I looked at, edge rusher, cornerback, offensive line I also looked at, the wide receiver group is the deepest of them all. 
So it's a silly mistake on his part because there are so many wide receivers to be had in this particular draft that are good. All of those five guys are good that I listed. So Kadarius Tony, man, shame on you. You're making a mistake. You are making a mistake. Hey, well, thanks to all the callers. I couldn't have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was at exactly 11.05, I think it was, tonight after the Nets. I will see you next weekend again Sunday. It'll be after the Yankee game, so whenever that is, around 6, 6.30 until 10 p.m. And uh, hopefully after a Yankee win, right? Uh, great job to Connor Green and to Pete Kennedy tonight behind the glass, to Mike McCann on the updates. Um... I might be going to the Giants and Jets draft party. We'll see, but I will definitely be at the Devils game tomorrow. Section 7, come and say hi. Mike Fliegelman's up next here on The Fan. In the meantime, you guys hit...